Greetings and good morning. J.C. Sherbert here along with Phil Muddex. Jamie Bradford is off. I'm Veronica Coringstone. Coringstone. Yeah. <laughs> it's McGee has the night off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, happy hump day, everyone. Uh, glad to, for you to be with us today. We got a long show, a three-hour tour. Um, you won't see me on Wednesdays moving forward very often, but... Uh, my boy's got uh, something to do, so I'm filling in in the captain's chair for him today, and uh, we'll certainly get all through it. As is the case normally when it's me and Phil, we'll be very chat box oriented. I've got some uh, emails, some uh, mailbag questions uh, that I have to get to as well on the um, the non-sponsored. Uh, we'll just give it to somebody today who won't. Titan Construction, a big Man, NIL supporter Carolina. The Titan yeah. Construction mailbag today, if you will. Um, you know, want to make sure we get into all of that and, and answer your questions. We love being interactive here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented by the Barndo Co. We are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and Dixie Vodka and dressed, though not today, by Britain's own Divine Street in Columbia and obviously part of the Chief Sports Network. Please go download the Chief Sports Network app if you haven't already participated in the Chicken Cock Challenge, if that's your thing. Also, Spread the word to your friends. You get a lot of great stuff on the Chief app. You get this. You get J.C. and Morgan. You're going to have some new programming coming forward. Uh, also, Phil Kornblut and Sports Talk, the iconic Sports Talk each and every night, which I know when I was a kid, those of you that are Gen Xers and around our age, man, that was a big deal. Friday night, you listen to Phil. He was usually on site wherever the Gamecocks were playing, uh, broadcasting live. I'll never forget 1988. Uh, Gamecocks were undefeated, six in the country, and and he was at the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta. And Gamecocks brought a slew of people over to see the Gamecocks play Georgia Tech. That was kind of the beginning of Bobby Ross building the national championship team in 80, or sorry, for in 90 for them. But they weren't very good. And boy, oh boy, Carolina got it stuck to them, 34 nothing. Uh, but that, that memory with Phil, and, and look, I'll be honest, uh, on Phil's show and 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 Phil uh, 
Phil Cornblute, not in Phil Mullinax in general. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Phil because I would have never had the interest in recruiting that I do. Uh, I love the recruiting reports every night. I thought it was kind of neat to follow. I used to get his newsletter and stuff. So if you download the Chief app, you're supporting not just us and our happy faces, but also uh, an iconic institution in our state and Phil Cornblute and Sports Talk. And Matt Smith's a part of that, too. And Matt, as a guy I went to high school with in Spartanburg, uh, that I really have grown into like and respect through the years as well. So be sure to check out the Chief Sports app. Spread the word to all your fellow Gamecocks uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, we got guests today, Phil. I'll let you run down that real quick while I'm looking something up. Yeah, go right ahead. We've got uh, Chase Belt and Jeff Hoffman of Park Avenue ESM. Get your questions in still. Plenty of time. Hop in the chat box and uh, throw some at them. They want to kind of interact with you directly today and and see if they can't dispel some of uh, your trepidation when it comes to NIL. Or at least kind of enlighten us all about where does the money go? (laughs) Yeah, and I've got some questions I'll get to in the chat box for that. A little basketball news we didn't get to yesterday. Uh, Trevor Noah. I'm sorry, not Trevor Noah. Good God, JC. <laughs> Trevor Noah. Trevor freaking Noah, man. Is on. not joining the team. It is unfunny. <laughs> one of the most unfunny people I've ever seen in my life. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. Trent Noah, Trevor's brother. Just kidding. Uh, Trent Noah commits to the Gamecocks to the number 131 player in the country, uh, number 26 small forward, 6'6", 200 out of Harlan, Kentucky. I mean, sorry, Harlan County and Baxter, Kentucky. I need to look that up on the map, Phil, because I go through Kentucky. I've been all over Kentucky going back and forth from Chicago, going both different ways. I need to figure out where that is. Obviously, these big 6'6 kids from Kentucky are shooters most of the time. Uh, We've all seen the Wildcats and then uh, also from that part of the country, Indiana and Purdue and that whole little corridor there, even from the state of Tennessee in certain parts, the whole kind of mid-Appalachia region. A lot of shooters. A lot of kids have goals in the, the yard. You got to shoot 100 baskets a day. That's Trent Noah and what you're getting. And I think with this basketball program, what Lamont Paris, I think, has decided to do is say, all right, we are going to play uh, that different style that Wisconsin, that he learned at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan and all that good stuff, because that may give Carolina the best chance to win. You know, I, I, yeah. I think that last year was a little bit of a challenge with the personnel he had to even to do that. But, but I, I, you know, I, I think with the way basketball is right now in terms of behind the eight ball and recruiting, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you got to find a way to win. And, you know, Frank Barton won here. Uh, he didn't win, have as many trips to the tournament as everybody would have liked, but he won here by having a, a distinct style, uh, a special prep. You had to prep for his defense. You know, you had to prep for what he did on offense. Um, it's different. Uh, and, and I think when you're South Carolina right now, it's a good move to go that way. I expect this team this year to shoot a lot of three-pointers. Uh, hopefully they're open. Hopefully they go down. <laughs> and for some of you out there, for me personally, that's kind of a welcome change, Phil, because, I mean, yeah, the, the Martin era wasn't exactly a, you know, a, a clinic in how to shoot the basketball. Neither was the Odom era. Neither was the Fogler era for most years. And, and, and the Horn era outside of uh, the first year definitely wasn't. So having some threes rain down and, kind of revamping the basketball team like that. Like, hey, I'm willing to try anything at this point, right? Uh, so uh, so we'll see. But the, the point is with Trent Noah, he, he's a guy that they feel really fits in 
to what they're trying to do. Like I said, 6'6", 200, sharpshooter. Had a pretty good offer list. I'll pull that up for you real quick. Um, you know, Butler. There you go. Seton Hall, Western Kentucky, Cal. Uh, those are pretty solid offers. And uh, Adam Finkelstein from 24-7 Sports says, Trent Doe is a strong-bodied wing, an elite shooter, elite shooter of the basketball. His game is based on the three-point line. He's not only one of the best in the class when it comes to making spot-up shots, best in the class. Okay, so this is Adam. This is not me. I'm not a basketball evaluator. Uh, but it's also uh, – uh, the, all right, so best in the class when it comes to making spot-up shots and thus providing gravity as a floor spacer, but also capable of making shots on the move. He's a heady offensive player, a good passer who knows how to play within offensive structure. Noah has a strong and fairly broad frame, which can allow him to defend some bigger players. He's a solid ring, wing rebounder. He needs to continue to work on his defensive quickness and his ability to create his own offense. Average 26.5 points per game. Uh, hit about 40-something percent of his three-pointers. Honorable mention All-State uh, in Kentucky. And, you know, we know in Kentucky, man, it's serious basketball. I mean, they're very serious uh, about their uh, their basketball and all that. Uh, Clint says he follows Phil Cornblut and Glenn Snyder and Spurs and Feathers for years. Yeah, Glenn is, Glenn's one of those people I wish I had met and gotten to know a little better. I mean, I haven't gotten to – yeah, I, I don't know him that well. I think we're friends on Facebook. He knows who I am. But that's, that's a guy, you know, if I look back, one day I'd like to sit down with him and tell stories about the Gamecocks and record it maybe. <laughs> that would be great. But, yeah, you know, and, and Craig, it's been a while since the Gamecocks have a shooter, but now you got Miles Stude in there. B.J. Mack can hit from three. Michi Johnson was a little streaky last year but can hit it. Uh, Taylon Cooper's a really good passer. Um, and then the kid they got from Citadel is a, is a good shooter from the outside. So they're going to have, you know, they're going to be able to shoot the ball this year. I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. So, uh, Carolina Titan mask in the, in the Nana sports chat box, which chicken cock flavor is the best Phil? Oh, I'm, I'm partial to just the straight bourbon, which is delicious. The rye was not bad. I'm not really a rye guy, but I had it at the tailgate. It was good. I have not tried the double Oak yet. And then, I don't know, I was reading some rave reviews about some of the uh, more hard-to-find selections. Uh, the Chanticleer, which is aged in, I think, bourbon casks. It was getting really rave reviews. If you want to break off a couple hundred bucks to have a top-end option. Uh, but just the blue label, chicken cock, bourbon whiskey, delicious. That's great. Definitely has replaced my... Uh, my regular, I shouldn't say every day because I don't drink it every day, but <laughs> my preferred bourbon in the house. <laughs> so now the preferred bourbon of the Mullinax plant. Yes, yes. Officially cool. the preferred bourbon of the Mullinax family. That's... It's so good that my wife, who doesn't typically drink bourbon, will drink this bourbon. I'll put it wow. that way. How about that? That's yeah, Dina, getting that for the bourbon. That's a fun yeah. time, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, all right, so I've got a uh, – all right, so Lance, it says all of them. <laughs> that's Lance. That's okay, Lance, Lance. All of them. Yeah, they all are. Of them, all Good. of them, he says. Uh, so stand on business, says JC. What's your feeling about Juice Wells' injury? And if you think he'll play for the bye week and the weeks after that. I, I, I heard probably back by Florida, Beamer sounded like less optimistic publicly 
Um, it's going to depend. My understanding is this, and, and you can see it in the Georgia game. I mean, it's the same injury. Is as long as he's not feeling pain, he's, he's Juice Wells. I mean, he's not. it's not a situation where, you know, with foot injuries, uh, like, okay, so Jake Bentley had to be off his feet for however long because it was a Liz Frank injury. Uh, Luke Doty really was kind of a step slow because it was a kind of a, a different type of foot injury. This is not. This is something where you could play on it. And I, I keep trying to think there was a Clemson player. I swear to God, I, I may be dreaming this. I, I thought it was Sammy Watkins that played with a pin in his foot and he was fine. And as you saw from the Georgia game, Juice, when he's out there not feeling pain, uh, hadn't lost a step. The problem is, is if it wiggles or, or, or gets loose, I mean, it's like a it's like a filling or something in your teeth where you just it emits pain. So, uh, well, I have to see. I, I I would think the juice, you know, my, my gut feeling is if he's not out for the year, he's a guy that they will they will kind of use sparingly. You know, they'll use him, but, you know, they'll probably try to kind of have something where they limit his snaps or, or whatever. You still need him. I mean, we saw uh, the best drive of the year was the first drive against Georgia. And we saw that, you know, you can't cover all those guys. If you've got Juice on one side, you got Leggett on the other, you got Amari Brown, you got the tight end, uh, you know, and um, I guess Trey Knox now or Josh Simon, whoever it is. I mean, that's tough with Rattler back there. That's tough for any defense. Uh, without Juice, and as Mike Morgan was pointing out yesterday, and really against uh, Tennessee, Amari could play. But he's limited without another option. Teams can bracket Xavier, and, and, and he's not, you know, he's not as open all the time, uh, or not as able to do it one on one. If you have a safety over the top, you know, he's bracketed or whatever. And that's that you're not going to Spencer's not going to put the ball in, in in jeopardy, throwing it high to somebody's double covered. Now, but you get Xavier one on one, you throw that comeback route. That's almost money in the bank, you know. So they do need Juice to come back. I mean, that, that's that's. Uh, that would be very helpful and I think increases their chances of going at least two and one this month, which is what I think this, this team needs. Um, that means winning at Missouri or winning at A&M and definitely beating Florida. Uh, but I think that this team needs to, they need to get to four and four with four home games in November and make it a November to remember. <laughs> Cause by November, <laughs> you know, a lot of these young, young guys that are playing, uh, outside of J-Line Kilgore, who's, I think, grown up right before our eyes. I mean, he's I mean, he's not even a freshman anymore. Um, all these young guys that are playing are going to be much more seasoned, much more experienced, able to handle it better. The schedule's lighter. I mean, that's no offense to Kentucky and Clemson, but, I mean, Kentucky and Clemson at home is a lot different than A&M on the road or Tennessee on the road, for that matter. Um, you know, Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt obviously should be games to game Costco and take care of business. So that's the deal there. Uh, Lance asked about Elijah Caldwell. You know, I just, like I said, I mean, this guy, we heard a lot about him in, in preseason, but that was not in pat. What I was told was there's a difference between going out there and running routes and, you know, seven on seven and stuff like that. And then when the pads come on, you're just sometimes not ready. You're hesitant. That's the same thing with Nick Harbor. He He's not, He's fast, and you say, well, just put him in position to go be fast. Well, he's just not fast on the field right now. Uh, he's, he's 
you know, and, and it's not necessarily that he's unsure about where to go. It's, it's not necessarily that, you know, he's not physical enough. It's just, he, he has, it doesn't have that experience. He doesn't have that comfort level, you know, to go out there and play fast yet. Even at that, he's still getting eight or nine snaps a game because that's the way to get him more comfortable. Put him in the game, put me in coach. I'm ready to play today. Look at me. I will be center field. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it's uh, it's just one of those things. All right. So going to go over here to the Titan construction. And what time do we have uh, Chase and Jeff? Uh, They're at noon. Yeah. 1205. 1205. Okay. So we got an hour here. Uh, okay. So Xavier, uh, our, our guy from the Pacific Northwest, one of many says, hello, JC. I understand how most NIL collectives work in that you give money to the collective and the collective divvies the money up amongst the players. Carolina rise, however, pays for park Avenue to help them find sponsorships for the players, almost like a sports agent. My question then is how does more money to Carolina rise translate to more money for the players? Does it mean that park Avenue can invest more time because they're getting paid more? Or do you still also function as a traditional collective as well? Just curious. Thanks, you guys, for all you do. Go Cox. Great question. So so Carolina Rise is structured really. There's there's like three. All right. So as far as money going out, right, there, there's two different hoses of money. Uh, the first hose of money is fixed at a certain price, which, I mean, I'll be honest, guys, we, we, gotta, we, 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 we got to grow the collective in order to make that payment every month. But it ends up in, you know, seven times the money for the players. So it's a good investment, but we have to fund it. And that goes to pay folks like Chase and Jeff that do the work, right? Um, Then the other bucket is it's just traditional NIL deals. Like with baseball, you know, those guys are on contracts with us. You know, they do promotional stuff for us throughout the year and our business partners. Um and, and we go from there. We've got several basketball players that do it, football players as well. Um, you know, so it does function as a traditional collective. And budgetarily, you know, we are obligated to pay out way more than what we're paying out for Park Avenue. But Park Avenue is a huge – if it weren't for that expense every month, we'd be fine. Uh, so the mandate is grow the collective, get more people in. But we also, what makes us unique too, is we do a lot of stuff like cross stuff with the show and then our media company and the various media outlets that I own uh, with businesses. You know, in other words, uh, the money goes to the collective, but then I through facilitate through here and, and elsewhere uh, promote you. So it's almost like a dam that goes up with the money when you diverted, you know, somewhere else. And that's good because it's a tax write-off and all that. We also work with a charity, if you'd like to write that off as well. But that's uh, long and short. That's how we operate. We've got, um, you know, we've got the Park Avenue thing, but that's not all that we're obligated to do. And, and you know, I do hope that more money we get in someday we can expand the Park Avenue deal, uh, and there can be more than two people working, uh, you know, on it and uh, all that good stuff, or three people, or however many they've got. But because uh, I think it's a good deal, I think you, you know you you have to raise less money to pay them to get things rolling based on their numbers. Then then you or, or, or I don't want to say raise money. I want to say you know you have to have less members and less business affiliates, uh, come, cash coming in the door uh, to take care of them, 
than than what they pay out to the players. So you know, South Carolina in general needs to get to about twelve million a year. Well, if they take up four of it, that's four million. You don't have to get from fans, boosters, businesses, whoever. Uh, so that's how that works. You know, just to kind of be transparent, we, you know, Park Avenue is probably one of the biggest things we do. Uh, that in baseball, just because Garnet Trust has, you know, about 60% of the football roster, but that's 60%. There's still 40% of those guys that, that need it. And, you know, basketball we do a lot with as well. So that's uh, that's the long and short of it uh, right there. So that's uh, that's a great question. Uh, the second NIL question comes in from TEG. You know, and then he's got a recruiting question. Some will go through all this. Okay, TEG says, First NIL, I currently do not give to NIFL for multiple reasons. Sorry, I'm having problems. However, with the folks from Park Avenue coming on, uh, I'm sorry, Siri, just or Alexa, just talk to me. Uh, I figured I'd ask for some feedback. Let's assume I had $50 or $50,000 and I wanted to do something with it. Currently, I put that money in my child's investment account and buy some mutual funds. I know exactly what that money is doing, and that is very likely to benefit him in the future. The way I see it, if I gave to an NIL collective, I have very little insight into how it's being spent or what the returns on it from be from from will be from it. It's realistic in my mind that I could give that money and spend the next five years cheering for teams that are winning at the rate we historically have, and therefore it's just lost money that doesn't really reward me or my family in any way. It just puts money in someone else's child's pocket that could have gone to my own child. What would your counter argument be for that, and how exactly could I be more assured? The, the contra- contributing will result in better results on the field. All right. I cannot, pro- to quote Lou Holtz, I cannot promise you that we will win. <laughs> and and it's just because of the competition in the SEC. Uh, and, you know, other schools have players, other schools have coaches, other schools um, are good, traditional storied programs. There's no reason why South Carolina can't be just as good as they can as possible. There's no reason why South Carolina can't compete. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if not. And look, I'm not taking money. If it's between putting something in an investment account for your child and giving money to NIL, please keep that money. I don't want anybody dipping into their child's savings account. Come on. I mean, I know we got two that are about to go to college, stepsons, and dude, I'm sweating it. (laughs) I need them to get an NIL deal from somebody, you know, uh, or some kind of deal, scholarship or something. So, look, trust me, I understand. I mean, that is a that is a legit thing. So, if it's between, if that's your choice, always choose your family over the Gamecocks. Always, there's just there's no debate with that. I would not argue with you on that. You know, if that's if that's the kind of choice we're talking, nobody should give money to any any. Don't give it to your kids. That's that. That's always your priority. Everybody's priority in life, your family. And I would never want to take money away uh, from anyone's family. So if that's the way you see it, then then keep your money. I mean, that's the deal. As far as the guarantees, the results on the field go, well, you can't win without good players, and you're not going to get good players without NIL. I think that's the fault. You're not going to get enough of them. You know, we've been talking about depth a lot lately, uh, both on the website and on this show. By the way, go to bigspur.com. Brad Crawford has a great article up tracking Nick Harbor uh, for VIP members. You can join and get two months for a dollar right now if you're not a member. So go sign up uh, if you'd like. Uh, 
so as far as results go, I, I just know what's going to happen if if you don't have it. Uh, you're going to really struggle, as was the case in the transfer portal last year. Uh, the depth issues that South Carolina has are going to be magnified even more, and they've had them for a while. Uh, and I think it's unrealistic to expect to compete in the Southeastern Conference or, or really um, in any you know big time conference uh, if you just if, if you don't have a robust NIL offering. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that the plan at South Carolina right now with Park Avenue and, and the other things we all do is good. It's, I think it's effective. I think it's a, with Park Avenue specifically, I think it's a bargain. It's a way to take a small amount of money and, and make it larger for the players. Um, and, and so that's the, that's the deal there. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you've you got to have players to win. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, they don't have to all be five stars, but uh, you gotta you got to have players to win. Um, but you got to have enough of them. And right now, you know, the staff is recruiting above and beyond what it should be, but they're also losing some of those guys like right there in the middle. Like, like I'll, say, I'll say this, some of these classes, like this class this year, is one where you do have the Alshon Jeffrey, you know, type guy, you know, the, the, the I.E. Josiah Thompson, big time guy from in state, Cam Pringle, big time guy from in state. You have the big time in state guys. What you're missing is the DJ Swearingers. You're, you're missing the Mike Davis from Atlanta's, the, the, the out of state guy you could have gone and get that could have helped the, you know, the, the, the guys that, um, you know, came in and, and, and played well for you, like an Eric Norwood. Uh, a defensive end or, you know, a, a dare I say, Chaz Sutton type of guy, uh, you know, the, the J.J. Enigbare types, you know, th- those guys that are like, you know, fifth through 15th in your class that form the bulk of it, you know. Um, and look, they, they they were good, right, you know, and you're also, you also keep in mind, we're, we're hitting a moving target. As Every year that this goes on, NIL means more and more and more. And it affected the portal majorly. You notice Beamer's first portal year, not it out of the park. Wasn't all about NIL. You know, Rattler had his own NIL coming in. Um, you know, Juice Wells was just happy to have a scholarship to a bigger school. That kind of thing. Uh, you know, they did fine. And then the next year it got a little tough because it was all about NIL. Now it's creeping into the high school ranks. So, you know, like Jaylon Kilgore, maybe you don't get that guy. You know, and that's one of those guys, kind of middle part of the class that, that are the bulk of your your guys in your program. So that's uh that's the thing, you know. So I I as far as transparency goes and where it's spent, I'm glad to make that public. I mean, it's you don't you don't make individual deals public because they vary so much now. You know, in other words, you, you say, Well, we you spent this total on a roster just because that that's strategic and could be used against you in recruiting. Uh, in other words, there are some guys that are really good players on the football team that, that, that don't want NIL money, right? Uh, say, give it to somebody else. You know, give it, give it to my teammates. Give it to this. And there's just guys like that, right? So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, and you go out and you say, well, this good player is only making two grand in NIL money a year. Another school's going to look at the guy that plays that position and go, hey, our guys are making this. So you don't you don't want to get that specific, but as far as like the percentage of the pot that goes here, there, and yonder, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, 
transparency is the key to all of it. But then again, getting back to your first part, don't even consider it if it's between giving something to your child and and, and giving something to NIL. That's that's insane. I would never I would never want anybody to do that. Uh, no. All right, so another. So go ahead, Bill. Oh, I was going to say. I mean, the. Um... Sorry, I just got a I just got an email or sorry, a text message from Chase and Jeff at Park Avenue. Speaking of NIL, no, it's like I mean, that's one of the advantages Carolina Rise that has, you know, right now is you know it's like a crowdfunding kind of deal. It's like I don't have fifty thousand dollars to give to NIL, you know, and if I did have fifty thousand dollars, I I would not at this point give it to NIL because I would use it to better my family. However, what I do have is 20, 30 yeah. bucks a month that I would piss away otherwise that I'm perfectly happy dumping into this, you know, that way I can yeah. actually get, you know, some kind of return. It's not, and it's not that you're looking for ROI. I mean, you know, NIL is an investment in a sports program. It's not, you know, going to directly benefit your pocketbook, but you know, if you got, you got a few extra bucks laying around, give them every month. That's, you know, that's what I do. And the idea behind the few extra bucks a month thing is it's it's low dollar crowdsource kind of deal. Think about if you follow politics, Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm not politically aligned with him, but I like his fundraising <laughs> plans. Uh, and it's a movement. It's kind of a movement because, like you guys all out there, if you chip in your eighteen dollars a month, everybody if everybody does that, thousands of Gamecock fans that are, everybody can kind of take ownership, and it's much easier for the coaches to. Um, the coaches to uh, recruit at that point. I mean, I think these guys can recruit, especially in football. You give them the resources other schools have, they're going to knock it out of the park. You're going to have the players to realistically compete for championships and you get ownership in that, you know, and I tell people this all the time previously, you know, you give the Gamecock club, you give to, uh, you know, to purchase a building. You're still kind of at the mercy of who's coaching, who's recruiting, who's doing this, this way. You know, the fans are the ones that, that, that facilitate elite recruiting. And so you're making a direct impact on your product you're watching on Saturdays or whatever day. You know, so that's that's that would excite me as someone, well, hey, I can do my part directly. I don't have to be at the mercy of, of a decision maker somewhere, you know, uh, to, to get players. So um, all that good stuff. Uh, Joel, Joel said, before I get to his recruiting question, uh, Joel says, let's be honest here. And some fans and businesses are holding back because of who is leading Carolina athletics. Well, you know what, Joel, that's probably one of the dumbest decisions anyone could make because guess what? This NIL stuff is going to be here. No matter who the athletic director is, no matter who's leading, no matter who's doing what. And it's not, it's independent of the university. You're not giving any money to school. You know, so if somebody wants to protest that, I would recommend taking away your Gamecock Club funding or or giving, you know, don't give money directly to the school. You know, this is not that. I mean, and it's it. I wish people could separate the two to some is all the Gamecocks, but it's different buckets and different people uh, involved. So, you know, uh you know, so well, the athletic the department way. can't have direct influence over where NIL funds go from collectives. So it's like, no, you know, they, they don't, raise they don't, not they don't. any. Yeah, they're, they're out. <laughs> All right, TEG also has a recruiting question. Beamer's first three signing classes 
we see signed what seemed to be a boatload of defensive backs. I think that number is north of 20. Yep, because you're you're moving to a 4-2-5 defense. So you put five on the field at a time, and they've signed a bunch of good ones. I understand we may have been thin there, but we signed right around 10 offensive linemen in those three classes. And he says it's difficult to get O-line out of the portal because everyone wants the best guys. It's more competitive. So why not flip those numbers? Sign a bunch of O-line in those early classes in a select group of DBs. I feel DB needs in the portal the way we try to do this offseason at O-line. Well, that's easier said than done. Um, you know, I think the issue on the offensive line right now is when you look down the road, or one of them is, you know, you did have Case and Henry who could start. You did have Jalen Nichols coming back. You know, guys like Ja'Kai Moore and Vershawn Lee have been here for a while. You had time uh, when you did that. And I'll be honest, uh, you know, that first class, I don't, I don't know what you expect. Uh, you know, they signed John Darius Morgan. He's just not – he's third team. Uh, they had another guy that just, like, just left, you know, because he wasn't very good. Um, you know, the three they signed, Brubaker's – the first one, because so, you really have to look at it through two classes, I think, or, you know, through 2022, 2023. Well, you know, in 2022, they signed three. You know, they liked three. Uh, Grayson Maines is the backup center. Brubaker's hurt. And then Kaysen Henry's hurt. So two of the three are hurt. And then you have the class this year where you sign four or five. And, uh, you know, two of those guys are starting. And if Marky Anderson wasn't hurt, he'd be starting. So I I don't have a gripe with with the numbers there. I think they'd be completely screwed at DB with the style they play if they had not recruited back there because there was no safeties when they got me. Remember, Jalen Foster was an All-American. Please remember that, <laughs> you know, a former walk-on. They had to play him, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with with that. I, I do think, to your point, though, and it's a smart point, that you should sign four or five every year on the O line and get those numbers up. And it's getting there, guys. It's getting there, guys. So that's the deal. That's the deal there. So anyway, we're going to take a break. First break of the day. Don't forget, it's a three-hour tour. The chat box yesterday died in the third hour. Guys, what's what's up with that? Hey, what's up with that? Anyway, back right back after these messages on Inside the Game Cast the Show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out.
Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. back inside the Gamecocks the show everybody shout out to a couple of Gamecock baseball players in the postseason here this year Christian Walker Arizona Diamondbacks three for four last night did a big two run double at the top of the ninth to kind of seal that win Jordan Montgomery where's he Texas Rangers yeah that's where he is (laughs) seven innings pitched Zero runs, six hits, five Ks. He and uh, I believe it's Chapman or oldest Chapman close that game. Woo. Yeah. Nothing. Good Nothing to see burger. Gamecocks doing well on, on the, on yeah, the man, Gamecock. Yeah, the Gamecock Major League Playoffs, man. I, I always have. And look, by the way, I'm sorry to, to tell you guys, Park Avenue can't join us today. They had a call rescheduled with a big spending client of theirs, and I, I certainly understand it. I, I, I would rather them take that call to join us, but they'll be on at some point. Probably ne- if we don't get them this week, we'll get them next week, and I'll yeah, we'll answer your questions. And 
all that good stuff. Um, Saturday's Night Light says, bro, just let Phil turn on Super Chats. Let people donate through paid comments. It would help NIL players and the channel grow. I don't know that people are going to pay to participate in the chat box. It's one of those best things in life for free kind of things. I don't know. Hey, let, let me let, let me look into that SNL. I mean, just because that may be something you could do as a bonus or a, uh, you know, you get a player on for a special broadcast or something, and that's how you do it. Uh, hey, maybe that would work. I'm open yeah, to everything. Do, uh, yeah, a little something. So, ah, who knows? Craig, it, it doesn't take 340 to 50 pound guys at tackle. But it does take bigger 315 to 20 pound guys. Uh, I think, you know, you can get by with athleticism up front, but I think South Carolina right now, I mean, there's a reason TJ Sanders is playing like he is. He's bigger than the other guys. Uh, you know, and, and there's a reason I think Boogie plays played a lot better with TJ out there is because Boogie's able to get off blocks and, and kind of kind of freeze him up because uh, linemen are worried about Sanders. It's kind of a in concert thing, and and I don't know that Taka Hemingway's not needing to maybe slide out if they don't have Sanders in. But then again, you know, I, th- I think Beamer after the game said Barrett, Nick Barrett, was nursing a foot. You know, he's three thirty, but he's if he's not hundred percent, you know, God bless. So that position's bad. And, and here's the thing too: the younger guys at that position, Weish, Hicks, and Shoot, Watkins left. Watson left. White, White, Jamal White, Felix Hicks, and DeAndre Martin. They're just not ready to go. And I don't know. You know, in, in year two, you don't give up on guys. You know, you, you get a man. Weiss is the closest right now. Martin was last year, but they're not looking like guys that you know are going to get it. That's why I think Beamer mentioned. That's why uh, Beamer mentioned Xavier McLeod. Got to get Xavier McLeod in in the rotation. Getting reps. If anybody could do it, Travian Robertson can. So that's uh, that's the deal there. Um, thank you so much. Okay, Xavier says Crane and Company. A paid comment gets a guaranteed read. Ooh, I don't know. You know, Crane is one of the best marketing dudes I've ever seen in this in the podcast business. Yeah. And he he blew up. I remember going on a show a couple of years ago during the summer. And it was fun, but he, you know, I was like, ah, this guy that's pretty good at marketing. Boy, he's blown up. So anyway. Yeah. And Titan, so, you can go to carolinarise.com. We'll redirect you where you need to go to become a member of Carolina Rise. Yeah, I'll go to the, the membership. Uh, I, I'll send Phil the membership menu. <laughs> it's a menu. It's like, uh, today we feature the flumbe steak uh, with the... A side of flambe and flum. I don't know. I just like to say the word flambe, but I just sent the membership member menu to Phil, and we can rock and roll with that. Um, but yeah, super chat. So that's a good idea. Thank you, Saturday Night Lights. I'm I'm for anything that increases revenue for everything that I do. Uh, Carolina Rise does not make me any money, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but the show the show could use some. Money. I mean, we all could use some money. So it's uh. It's just one of those things. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, we got a we got a big old uh, open show today. So, anything you guys want to talk about, uh, please participate here in the award winning Nana Sports chat box and also inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Thanks to TEG for that very uh, in depth email. I really appreciate that. 
um, all that good stuff. I got another. Uh, we'll call this one the uh, the chancel construction inbox mailbag. How about that? Uh, Cobalt says, guys love the show. Listen every day. If not live, when I can later. Met you at the Carolina Rise tailgate in Charlotte. Appreciate you three for all you do. The show is awesome. So uh, he's just questioned with all the hype around the offense. I understand the blocking issues. I also heard JC yesterday state, I would take this offense this year over the last two years. And I agree. I played football in college and we adjusted or at least tried something different. If we were getting attacked, losing our one-on-ones, I just don't see that happening with the offense this year. The defense is another story. One misery at a time. In fact, the second half, it's like the defense has adjusted to us and we don't know what to do. After the last OC in Muschamp years, I really expected Dowell Loggins to come in and be better. Honestly, I think they are making adjustments. I, I, am I a little concerned? All right, so let me let me back up. In the back of my mind, Cobalt, am I sitting here thinking, hmm? After about the second quarter, the offense kind of hits has hit a wall in in, in those three games, uh, at least for a while. Uh, North Carolina, uh, you know, it's hard to say they hit a wall because they're inside the twenty yard line three different times. Uh, in the in the in the four and they just couldn't block, you know. Uh, Furman, they won the middle eight and they won the second half, so they ended up better as the game goes on. Georgia was a tale of two halves. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know. Uh, you know, I I, I don't. I get, you know, you get up ten seven and then you kind of fall back to wherever. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a function of them adjusting or if there's missed assignments or what, but I do see some, some adjustments. I mean, the long run Mario Anderson had was probably a really pretty play call design. You had a guy in motion on the back and then right up the middle. I mean, it took the linebacker out of the play, whatever, but you know, I, I think the story, I think Dowell Loggins, uh, it is better than the last two years. Obviously the story is yet to be written. I'm not saying one way or the other, you know, before Tennessee, I was to the point where I was like, yeah, this guy's really good. Uh, but I'll remind everybody, look, Steve Spurrier, when he had offensive line issues like this, they didn't go very far at all. I mean, <laughs> think about it. Uh, some of those really bad early offensive lines. Now, inevitably, every season, the O-line would get better. And they ended up going up and down the field by the end. But I think you have to kind of uh, do that. I, and I, I do think the overall concept uh, in the offense, the – the ideas, the the play calling, the play designs, all that are significantly better, I think, than than what they had, you know, even in, you know, even with Mike, you know, I, I like it just as well as I like what Mike Bobo did here. Mike Bobo had nothing to work with. Uh, maybe you can touch on this show today. Very confused on how you cannot help out the line. Uh, Cloninger was going to have an article on what happened at the end of last season with the office to turn things around. Did he ever publish the article? I don't think so. Oh, he did, actually. It wasn't like some groundbreaking, you know, eye-opening article. It's basically what we were all kind of assuming it was. Uh, I would have thought that should have carried over this year since only one person was gone. Well, actually, Freddie Kitchens is also gone, and actually the GA that called the plays the second half of the Gator Bowl are both gone. Um, And the offensive game plan of those games was collaborative, or so that was what was told to the public. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not doing it they're they're that was very collaborative with everybody um so i i don't know you know I, I think it's very easy when things don't go well in offense to just scream play calling 
Um, now, and even last year, you know, there's a difference between having an offense that, that is not functioning right, that is getting beat on the line of scrimmage, that's not winning one-on-ones, that kind of thing. Uh, but then there's another difference between an, an – there's another thing where an offense is like just a disaster and the and the the play calls and the, the, the operation of it is what's holding you back. And I think you see that at Carolina. You, saw, you see it in Nebraska this year too. Uh, it's just too complicated. And you, you see that from time to time. So I want to wait and see, um, you know, and as far as the collaboration goes, I mean, it, it was Freddie Kitchings, I think Coleman – was the guys Nick Coleman was involved, Kitching, Satterfield, and then the guys they have now. But uh, nothing's changed in that department. I mean, they all work together pretty well with that. So we'll see what happens with, with Dow. I think it's a, I think it's a little unfair to start to get on him at this point in time. But we'll see. We'll see what the yeah. deal is. I mean, I mean, early returns are better, I would say, than what we've had in yeah. the most recent past so it was like you know everybody has a bad game and i mean you're making chicken salad you know with with the line play right now so and really really feel you know the the bob tree and trovon those guys didn't have their best games i mean but look you're gonna get beat sometimes when you're a freshman nick's gonna get beat versus everybody's gonna get beat right it's the sec you have to be realistic about offensive line play um but the big issue right now is right tackle. I mean, because I, and I, I thought surely Tyshawn Wanamaker could be an answer there because he's played it before and played it a lot better than he is now. But he's become a kind of a revolving door over there. I mean, he, he there's something off with the way he's playing. He's just not playing like he used to. Uh, and so that that's that's something they got to solve. And I don't know that there's an answer. I just don't know that there's an answer. I mean, with the injuries, you got to figure that's probably playing into this, uh, you know, because you, you've counted oh, on guys in the preseason that are not able to kind of move things around the way you, I guess, it optimally envision them. But, I mean, no, I'm with you, JC. It's like I feel fairly solid on the left side. I mean, even the times when, you know, tree got burned, there's still somebody coming from the right. It's not like they just, you know, shifted yeah. everything over and came at you from one side. It's like you still got this, you know, what looks to be a very porous surface there on the right. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to get fixed. And I don't know that there's an answer. I mean, maybe Fugar goes back out and you just live with him. He's a young player. I mean, he uh, and he starts to play faster. Who, who knows? I mean, at this point, it's kind of wishing upon a star. Uh, you know, I guess you could I, – I, you could – I think Nick, Gorgulo can slide out and play right tackle, no question. But then yeah. what are you doing inside? Is trade where's Trey Jones? That's my other question. Where is he? Is he not able to go in there and, and play uh left guard? You know, I mean he's been pretty good. I mean, I don't know. And then Ja'Kai Moore is now hurt. You know, and that would be a guy I could slide I could slide him to left tackle and Nick to right or I'm sorry, him to left guard and Nick to right tackle. Uh Ja'Kai's played left guard before. You know what? What's the answer? I mean, Lonnie Teasley does not have a lot of answers right now because there's every it's a mass unit. Uh, it's really probably if you count up the number of guys hurt. I don't know if there's just been this many offensive line men injured at the same time since the Pulse era, the first season, and that team went zero and eleven. Well, I mean, you're beating that. 
there's been uh, <laughs> now there's been, better than that now. <laughs> there's there's been offensive lines that personnel wise were not, you know, not close. like Spurrier's first year. They ended up having to start how many walk on? Thomas Coleman was, came in, and Thomas Coleman was really good. He had to start. He had to start him and like another walk on. But they finally got it right. Those guys were actually pretty good. All right, let's take another break, and we'll be back with uh, more from the chat box right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show on a Wednesday. Three-hour tour today, wide open, so get your questions in. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
Roll run, everybody. 11.57. Wednesday. Almost at Thursday. I'm trying to get this week gone faster than <laughs> it should be. I it's not good because I got three days to work tonight. I was like, uh, yeah, but I that's all right. Over we may not terrible. have a show Friday. Have we decided that? I don't know. I need a to text JB. Meeting. Text JB. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Howard says, can Fugar play DT? I remember Langston Moore played guard in 99 after that played DT. Just ask him because right now OT isn't for him. I doubt it, man. I mean, if he's struggling with quickness on the offensive line, uh, and let's just say he's not that quick. Let's say that's not him adjusting, that he'll never be that quick. He'll get eaten alive on the defensive line. Uh, but I, I think it's just a matter of experience with him. I mean, he again, he's a portal guy, so mentally we all sit there and, and act like it's a JUCO transfer. Like, oh, one and done, a guy that's going to instantly come into play. Some portal guys aren't like that. Some portal guys are young guys that come in and then they're going to take a little um, Wayne says White and Puff How are playing more because the two guys in front of him are playing better. He's not playing as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it. Uh, I think he's played more and more because they need to get rest for Debo and Stone. But, you know, Pup's just not – I mean, Pup, Pup's probably – you know, look, I, look it's not going to surprise me if Pup ends up doing some good things down the stretch. No, don't get me wrong. He's another one that even though he got in early, like way early – uh, you know, he ended up having like missing a lot of fall camp too. I mean, yeah, he was kind of sidelined for two or three weeks. Uh, Jerron Willis isn't playing because he's not good enough to play. Uh, DJ Braswell, I wrote today that if I were them, I'd say, look, we got four backs. We're going to make the most of all of them. You know, they all have different strengths and some some really big weaknesses, right? Uh, you need to Juju needs to get, and you can't just substitute your backs and go. All right, Juju's in outside run. That's easy for opposing coordinators to kind of, you know. <laughs> so I'm not saying do that. I'm saying there's a way you can kind of meticulously do it from a coaching standpoint. Georgia did it a couple of years ago, and it was one of the – one of the because sometimes if you have four backs, it's hard to figure out, you know, that rotation. Um, but Georgia figured it out, and it, and it wasn't that all four of those backs were great. They all had different strengths. They're all, all just kind of really good. And uh, George figured it out. So, I mean, I, I think there's ways you can mask what you're doing according to certain personnel within an offense and get the most out of everybody and, and all that. And then, you know, Joyner inside the 10, I still think is a good idea. He sniffs the end zone. Maybe it's more wildcat than it is handoffs. Uh, it could be easy. But I would definitely get Braswell up to snuff because – with his speed, guys, you know, when there is a hole, it's going to be a bigger play than, than with, um, you know, than with Joyner. Uh, and then in some cases with Juju, because he's he's bigger than Juju and can break a tackle or two. Uh, so that would be uh, the deal there. Uh, BRC says, question, I was thinking about last night, why not put Josh Simon at receiver if he's struggling to get involved at tight end? I, I'd like to see some two tight end personnel. I think the issue is, what are they? What are they have? I mean, Elksness hadn't done much. I think he's a pretty good blocker, but um, you know, I would I would be an all all in favor if if Juice does not come back and Amarian still hobbled into getting Josh and Trey on the field at the same time. Uh, you know, 
and doing, and you know, and he says, feel like give a defense something to think about opposite Leggett. Xavier said, well, Kitchens have been a good offensive coordinator had he stayed. I like the way Freddie calls games. Some people don't. Some people look at his NFL, you know, the, the, the first go around with the Browns, he was considered one of the best play callers in the NFL. Then things started not going well, and he's considered garbage. <laughs> uh, I like the way Freddie calls games, though. I had no problem with him being the OC. Um, not that I, I don't know that he's better than Dowell Loggins or, or not, you know, right now. Uh, JD says, Mario's look great pass blocking. The questions of his speed got answered on the long run. Yeah. I'm all for Mario playing and being yeah. RB1. More thank God. They took, hey, those of you that are like, it took a kid from Newberry College. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> thank God yeah. They did. Didn't look like a kid from Newberry College on that 75 yard touchdown run, did he? <laughs> Kendall says, can we get some slants and screens? Man, every time they try to run a screen, it looks like it's a disaster. Perimeter blocking has reared its early head again. Slants, you know, it just depends on if they're open. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. Can more play right tackle? Jakai, yeah. Uh, but he's hurt, so there you go. Yeah. Um, that, that's the deal there. Can Ball play better at right tackle? Eh, he need him at guard. Because that other guard spot, guard spot was not good. So, uh, you know, die, we, all right, in-game adjustments. Got to be better at diagnosing things faster and making immediate changes. On defense, I agree with you. Offense. I don't know. A lot of it seems like breakdowns, you know, to me, uh, I, you know, that kind of thing. Um, blah, blah, blah. Our first chances, our first adjustments aren't until halftime. That's been the way, the way on defense for three years now. Yep. Julius has any thought of Harbor to defensive end? Mm-hmm. Have we taken our top of the hour break yet, Phil? Well, we're kind of, you know, off. We don't really need to. Because right. we only have three more breaks for the entire show. So I figured we'd hit it at the, oh, yeah. Let's yeah, we'll hit it at the half hour, hour, hit it at the next hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So any thought of Harbor to defensive end? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to help anything <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Jan says, if you watch Shane's coaching show for the UT game, he was pissed. Of course he is. I don't think he necessarily likes Tennessee. I think he respects them as a program and a school because he has a master's from there. Uh, he got kind of fired up during the game last year with Carolina one toward the end. Yeah, particularly at Kamal Haddon or, or one of those guys that was the defensive backfield. Um, John says, if Gerard isn't good enough to play, why in the hell did we go get him? Again, you have to think about the portal differently than Juco's, right? Gerard has four years left. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's like a freshman. So... <laughs> And, you know, development. That's why. You know, that's, yeah, that's, bring yeah, along. that's why. Uh, Kendall says biggest issue this season is in game adjustment. No different looks on offense or defense in the second half of games. I think they've adjusted fine on offense. I, and I think, is it a concern that the offense has been less productive as the game has gone on? Yes. But the way I see, the way I've seen it more is like more breakdowns and stuff. Um, now, I'm always concerned when you look at, a body of work with an offensive coordinator. And and I, I'm not I'm not there yet on Dowell because I haven't it hasn't we haven't had enough time to evaluate it. There's been three tough games, right? And in two of those games in the SEC, one thing happened. In one of the games against UNC, they did adjust, they did go down the field, they just got bogged down. 
for whatever reason, it's at the 20. I mean, they were adjusting and doing fine. And it's firm and they adjusted and did fine. But it does concern me when you have an OC that's got a script, you know, and, and most OCs do script plays. That's, that's just a fact of life and it's good. And every time you get the script, they're right down the field. Well, then you get into the middle of the game and you get off script and it's like, well, what do we do? What do we do now? Because a good play caller gets into the flow of the game and knows how to adjust and knows where he's going to set. So, you know, he sets something up to do this, that, and the other. And so that, that's, that would be the concern. You know, if there's a red flag is, you know, how much of this is the script and how, how, how well really is he adjusting? And we, we don't have it. We don't have enough time to know two very frustrating losses to Georgia and Tennessee where it looked like, well, the offense was really good early and then not anymore. But, but, but I don't know if that's breakdown. Maybe what, what, what calls were on when, what, what, what call did they have going when, when, you know, uh, Tashawn Wanamaker did his best uh, twirl job. He looked like a tilt-a-whirl out there. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what call did they have on then? You know, what, what call, I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing I have to, I, I'd have to dig into that. Uh, now, a lot of times script guys do concern me, you know, especially if the script is great and everything else is not, I'm not, dismissing anything i'm just saying for me it's too early to know um all right so uh quantrell says something about uh a question about one of my old shows jc morgan we'll talk about population growth in charlotte and how that could have been columbia but wasn't because of the banks i don't know what there was somebody one time that made like a comment about charlotte columbia and charlotte outgrow it or something so i don't um, you know, so there's that, uh, candidates to replace Clayton white. <laughs> I'm not going there. Um, it, it, you know, obviously if there ever is a defensive coordinator opening in South Carolina, Chris Hampton would make a lot of sense. Uh, Addison Williams is another guy to look out for Travis Williams, who has not been an upgrade. Uh, at Arkansas, replace Barry Odom, um, or maybe you just go get a, like a former head coach that failed as a D coordinator, or failed as a head coach but a good D coordinator. Get him. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm not going to get into that right now. So, uh, can I get y'all's take on Mark Ryan continuing to compare Muschamp to Beamer, which I think is unfair? Yeah, we, we talked about this yesterday, John Edward. Uh, it, it's, yeah. the, it's the dumbest, dumbest take ever. Yeah, it's specifically designed for you to engage. Yeah. So stop. Dumbest take ever. <laughs> if if you want him to stop saying it, quit getting upset and generating clicks because he's gonna say whatever gets him the clicks. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's you know. how it goes. You know, it's like yeah, you you just. In this day and age, if you put out little sound bites that make people mad and people go jump all over it on Twitter, you you have something now in your quiver to to show sponsors and be like, "Hey, I and, say and, things to get fifteen thousand interactions and, a day." And he also <laughs> knows a lot of you guys. And see, I'm not one of these guys. I, I thought Muschamp did some good things here. I mean, I, I'm not, but a lot of folks that just know you know you know you mentioned the word Will Muschamp, but they visceral hatred. Like over the top stuff comes out, and so that's probably another reason why. I mean, ultimately, is the record the same? Yeah. I mean, you know, did Muschamp 
I mean, you know, did Muschamp have some of the big wins Beamer's had? No. Uh, did Muschamp leave him a good team? I thought so. There were some obvious holes that he had to patch. Uh, did, did Muschamp leave a roster and better a better roster than Steve Spurrier did? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, you know, yeah, the Bear uh, Cupboard argument didn't work coming into the Beamer era. There were there were players. Yeah, so that's uh, that was just uh, that was something else. Um, Robert says, didn't Florida State go through this before now? Uh, a down period? Yes. Uh, they lost to Jacksonville State <laughs> at home. God, hope that didn't happen to South Carolina. Uh, but uh, lost to Jacksonville State at home. And they were just god-awful uh, for a while. And they really weren't – I mean, they, they kind of had a rebound year last year. But if you think about it, I mean, that was three straight games to wake NC State and Clemson. And they got it going, at you know, toward the end of the year, beat Oklahoma in the bowl game. Uh, my main man, the drummer extraordinaire. We hang, Joey. We hung out with your uh, the other drummer extraordinaire that uh, you replaced back in the day. Joey, Joey, I know who I'm talking about. He got engaged yeah. this weekend, so you got a lot. You got a lot to top here coming in my chat box, Joey. Why did it seem like Tennessee was getting extra time to substitute players on D? If we sub on O, seemed like they would drag their feet to do their subs a couple of times. That was just screwing with. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I didn't like that at all. I thought no. that was just BS, right? Screwing with the tempo, whatever. That's probably something where they may have thought last year that South Carolina was trying to screw with their tempo or other teams were trying to do it. I just saw that. That's not part of the game, you know, them trying to do that. So, no. yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. Um, Gamecock Pilot says, JC, have you heard anything about the transfer portal dates changing? Or any type of new proposals, or is it still the same? It did change today. They re- they haven't they haven't finalized it yet, but they did say it's gonna shrink. It's gonna stay at forty five. It's gonna shrink from sixty days to forty five. Is that right? Um, now here here's what I'm wondering. It's like uh, it says it opens after the season. Now, what is after the season? Right. Hmm. Is it the regular season, or are we talking? About the, or is it still gonna be open December? Are we talking after the playoff is over? I don't know how you can wait till after the playoff is over because if kids are wanting to get in midterm, that's after the enrollment date for most schools. So as I'm pretty sure it's probably after the SEC championship game weekend. So we'll have another December where we're all going crazy. Uh, yeah. uh, and then they'll have – but it'll only last for 30 days, and you have 15 days in the spring. So, yeah. um, you know, so that's it. That's the deal there. Uh, with that, BRC was driving down 85 through Spartanburg and tuned into Mark Ryan's show. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Just yeah, get that on. Spare, save yourself. Yeah. So, um, in Saturday Night Lies, Light says, I hate it for James Madison to have success and not participate in any bowls. Dumb rule. Yeah. Mike, Mike and I talked about that this week. It is the dumbest rule I've ever come across in the history of rules. I'm like, why? I mean, I could make a comment toward, look, there's too many damn schools going into FBS, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, as much as respect as I've got for Appalachian State football, and, you know, they've played in some, won some conference championships, played some exciting games, the best they can hope for before the playoff expands uh, is Cotton Bowl. You know, most of the time they're shooting for the Gardenia Bowl. 
they have no shot at winning a national championship. Whereas in FCS, they were the big dog. Same with Georgia Southern. I, I didn't understand. So I can make I can make an argument for don't go up like a troll at the bridge. Don't go up there. Why? Just don't go up there. Don't go up there. <laughs> you know. But why but, specifically uh, can they not? Are they FCS JMU or what is? They were FCS power, and then they yeah. kind of rushed it because the the. I guess the Sun Belt lost some schools, and so they were trying to fill it. And so they are up there now; and they're winning, but they you have to sit two years. You're not eligible for postseason for two years. Most oh. schools that make the jump though don't win very much their first two years. Right, oh. so it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So, uh, Devin says, "Does anyone think it was a good idea to call pass play on third and twenty-two with fifty seconds left before the half?" I didn't mind that. I like the aggressive nature of the play call. I mean, you know, you're up against a team that can score and and bunches quickly. Uh, you know, I I, I like going for it there. I, I don't like to run the clock out, especially when you're not getting the ball back to start the half. I think that kind of makes the decision for you. You know, yeah. they're going to get back. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get points there. The outcome sucked. Do I have a yeah. problem with? going for it and passing it in that situation. No. What I've maybe thought about, you know, look, guys, hindsight's 2020 and I'm not a coach. Okay. So so look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, well they should have called this. In hindsight though, maybe a, a, an option is Spencer's got to snap it. You got one read. If it's not there, you chuck the ball a million miles out of bounds to whatever whoever's running the nine route on on the other <laughs> side. You know, make sure nobody can get to it. Um, but Beamer's explanation was right. Uh, Tennessee had two timeouts. Uh, they could have, they would have called timeout. They would have gotten the ball back with 37 seconds left. And then everybody's like, why didn't you go for it? Because you gave them the ball back and let them score again. Um, you know, it just didn't work out that way. Uh, so, but I didn't have a problem with being aggressive in that situation. You know, so that's uh, – that's the deal there, but it didn't turn out. It was an outcome. It was an outcome situation rather than a uh, a, a try situation, in my opinion. Uh, but that's why you know you don't get attached to outcomes. You just do the best you can. That's life, football, whatever, guys, whatever. So anyway, we're gonna take our first break. Hour number two here on Inside the Game Costa Show. It's a free for all Wednesday. Get your questions lined up. I got Quantrell's question coming in. The um, what are who are we gonna do now? The Badger Bump Stock Custom Grips, Badger Custom Grips, not bump stocks, Badger Custom Grips from Easily. Uh, proud Carolina Rise supporter. If you're a pistol owner, go check them out. Badger BadgerCustomGrips.com. They can give you like a real sweet thing for your piece. Uh, and it's all customized. Use code RISE to get a special discount from them. We'll be back after these messages. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. 
Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Welcome in, everybody. Good old-fashioned free-for-all JC and Phil Wednesday coming at you here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hooray! Yay! What do we got here? I love it. Chat box is rocking today, too. Y'all are all in on this. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I, 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 it's 6 of one after. I'm, I'm not going to beat him up too bad on that third and 22. You have a quarterback that's been red hot. You have a quarterback that's completed a bunch of – hadn't thrown a whole lot of picks, hadn't made it. I mean, it's a gamble for sure. <laughs> but, again, it's also a gamble to punt it back to those guys and, and, and let them score before the half. Um, I am with Clint in that the call would have probably been a little different. Probably wouldn't have given him the option to make that throw. Uh, just chuck it down the – you got one read. If it's not there, chuck it out of bounds, tuck it and run get what you can so i just 
I'm just uh, just not uh, try a little draw play there, you know. Like, I don't draw know. play would have worked. Yeah, that's that's a kind of a Spurrier esque call draw, and a Brian McClendon esque play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Mario Anderson, you know, look, look pretty good with that. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna beat him up too bad over that. That did suck. But you know what also sucked was letting him go right back down the field the first start of the second half and and score, and then letting him go right back down the field and score after Mario's big run when you still had ten minutes to go in the third. You were in the football game. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah, been you- a problem with this defense for a while. I mean, it, there's a, in the games that they don't do this, i.e. After the offense does something good, they immediately get gashed. They play pretty well, like Texas A and M last year. <laughs> you know, Clemson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other games, no. I mean, no. you're talking about in the bowl. And I, look, I understand in the bowl game they were dead tired and getting leaned on by grown ass men from Notre Dame and beaten up a little bit. But after the hundred yard pick six, they get right back, can't stop. Yeah, same same stuff over and over. And like I said earlier today, I think the trajectory of this defense has to change. It can't. It's been a while. I mean, it's been very – it's not often since last year at Kentucky, and that was a team I'll remind everybody did not have their starting quarterback, but I still think South Carolina dominated the game up front. It's been a while since we've seen this defense really have what I would call a good, complete game. Uh, you know, Missouri – didn't score all that much, but for the first quarter, uh, Eli Drinkless was just owning them. With I mean, I had no idea how to stop them. Um, you know, Clemson was a good overall game. Clemson scored nine points with their defense, so 21 points you'll take it. Georgia's first half was excellent. I thought they played above and beyond. But there has to start being some consistency, and there has to start being some times where they get the key stop. And this has been a problem for a while. You know, so I don't know how they need to do it, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but they got to start getting off the field in key moments again, because otherwise, you know, otherwise it's just it, it deflates the whole team. Because you got the, I mean, you're reeling, you're reeling, you're reeling with the pick six, and then Tennessee scores again. It's a three touchdown game. There's still ten minutes to go in the third, right? Mario Anderson out of nowhere runs seventy five yards for a touchdown. I mean, looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And and so you're you're within two scores. Then you need to. I mean, you, you got to get stops, and they're not. Yeah, that was the perfect time to seize momentum. Was get a stop right there, and yeah. then go back down and get points. Even if you don't get a touchdown, you know. I mean, you've cut it now to within four. If you yeah. go and get a field goal, at worst, and you really change the whole atmosphere of the stadium. Uh, but do you? <laughs> It's it's got to be complimentary, you know. You gotta you have to you have to seize momentum with both sides both both sides of the ball. You can't just do it with offense. Yeah, you know, you just can't go three and out. I'll tell you one thing that that what he also needs to get better short yardage. I mean, I get it. Challenge your team. If you can't get six inches. You, you don't deserve to win. I get it. Uh, man, oh man, and and I and again, Beamer had pretty good explanations for it, and it makes sense logically. They were going tempo. I think if you are going to run Juju up the middle, doing it really fast before they get set is probably a, a valid idea. I just, you know, I'd have maybe been a little more cautious with that, you know, and said, All right, we need to kind of back up, substitute, make sure we get this yard, live to fight another day. 
Um, so, and I, I don't know, again, poor Juju, you can't keep running him up the middle and then benching him because he can't run up the middle. It's not fair to that kid. I mean, yeah. it's like you can't sit there if you're the running backs coach and go, he's RB1, 2, or 3. He's really like RB1C or 2C, <laughs> however you want to talk about it. I mean, think outside of the – you got to think outside of the box a little bit with these running backs, man. <laughs> you know, Jacarion's basically an H-back, okay? Right. Now, I liken it to like a third down specialist in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, third you down know? specialist. Yeah. Like we used yeah. to play with Matt, and then, and then you know, I think your RB one and RB your traditional RB ones, dude, it's got to be Anderson. And I'm look since we were all right about Anderson after <laughs> we saw him do what he did against Furman, and we we're like, ah, oh, best running back on the team, and everybody's like, second best is DJ Braswell. Well, since we were all right about Anderson. Let's, let's roll with, the dice. Uh, let's roll the dice with DJ, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, Clint says, I still like the eye with Trey Jones as a lead fullback. Hey, if Trey's not playing any guard, let's get him out there, dude. I'm all for that. Put him back there like Nate Atkins last year. He's not as quick as Nate. Uh, but, man, yeah, put him back there because they got to do something. When Spencer has time, he's a damn good quarterback. He usually can make something happen. Yeah. So. Um, that's the deal there. Uh, and yeah, Clint, well, it's interesting for all the gripes that people have had. We've got three quarterbacks on the field, you know, blah blah blah. You know, we we haven't really seen any of them throw a pass other than Spencer. I, I kind of figured that would <laughs> come into play <laughs> at least well, once in the first few games because it normally I mean, works. I know, like yeah. <laughs> the other night, Kai Kroger threw that ball, and I was sitting there next to Phil, and I, I saw it in the air, and I was like, it's going to be incomplete, but he kept it. Hey, Trey Knox called it. Or no, Xavier. Xavier called it. Yeah, yeah. Legit. Now, yeah, Xavier was it. falling down a little bit. And yeah. that would have, if he'd have had his stride, dude, he may have broken a tackle and freaking been gone. Yeah, he was but one the, tackle away from probably hitting. Oh, uh, and then no points uh, there. That's another. And that's why probably why Beamer was pissed because he's looking at it and going, well, it's an embarrassing score by three touchdowns. Some embarrassing things happened. But really, Carolina had its chances. It just did not come through in clutch moments, just like North Carolina. They did not come through in clutch moments against North Carolina. Uh, Georgia in the second half did not come through in clutch moments. To beat good teams, you are going to have to do that. Against Mississippi State, they did. Now, I don't know how good Mississippi State is. They've gotten their arse whipped by LSU and Bama. Uh, they hung in with Bama for a while. I mean, LSU just beat them start to finish. Bama kind of had to pull away at the end, but uh, we'll see how good they are. But, uh, you know, you got to, you, you got to come through and clutch money. You got to be clutch. You got to be clutch. You know, uh, Payne says UT's first drive was basically against the air. Seemed that way, didn't it? I think it yeah, was the same, maybe the same play calls the first drive last year. Remember they went straight up the middle last year for 70 or whatever. Yeah, I know. You don't learn today, you know. Yeah, that's right. He broke that forty-two yard run off. I'm like, oh my god, come on, guys. Let's see. <laughs> like, really? R. Slauson had a good idea. Xavier Leggett got another NIL deal today. I haven't talked to them to see what it is, but whatever he gets, he deserves. Yeah, he deserves. Trust me, he was not making what he was playing. Uh, but now, yeah. And by the way, if you're around Columbia, he's up on our billboard, the CarolinaRise.com billboard. Xavier Leggett. Clint says it's almost like we need a new running backs coach or something. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say a lot could be done better with that position across the board. 
And, and if you if you dig deeper and you see that just about every running back that's been here has taken gotten the hell out of Dodge early, either through the portal or into NFL, that's another issue with that. That's that's also here. another factor to consider. Yes, it's another <laughs> factor to consider. Uh, Beamer said Jalan Kilgore would have gotten the ball if Xavier was covered. I thought it was interesting that Beamer would have let that slip in a presser. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they'll run it. They usually don't use that stuff twice, but I think he was trying to point out that Kilgore. Corey Kilgore's just a great football player. He can play either side of the ball. Uh, really, really, really good player. Um, so, uh, famously, Garnet posted about a JC with 10 roofs. So, that's Xavier. Hmm, interesting. Because Juice is supposed to have a deal with Tin Roof too, for a a burger or something. So Tin Roof's got some kind of burger I like that I can't remember what it is, or some, <laughs> maybe it's a grilled cheese sandwich. It's something on Texas toast. So anyway, <laughs> um, that's the deal there. Xavier says I agree, JC, and thinks think it's what's most frustrating. We have solid chances to win every game this year. We've not been clutch, but we need to whether they're not getting a stop on D or not scoring. Yeah. I mean, look, this team needs something good to happen against Florida. Uh, because I think it, I think it, at home, even though it's three 30 and everybody just thank the good Lord. It's not a noon game. Don't show up like Missouri last year. Cause that, that was just dead. It's like Missouri walked in and like their presence <laughs> took the life out of the building or Eli Drinkwitz. I don't know everything from the, Garnet helmets and jerseys, which was weird. To 2001 wasn't that good. Uh, to the weird kind of, what was it? It was an overcast that day or something. I don't know. It's Florida, though, folks. It's not Missouri. And you, you know, Billy Napier's coming to town. Steve Spurrier's coming to town, most likely with Jerry. Oh, yeah, shoot. Yeah, um, you don't want to lose those guys. You know, that that's – I'm not – I'm never going to say game six is the entire season – but to get this season back on the right track and not to have to hope for what's called the term a miracle turnaround, you're going to have to beat them. I mean, they're not that good. Tennessee, even though they lost to Florida in the swamp, there's gremlins down there for them. We all know that. Tennessee's better. Uh, Mississippi State's probably just as good or better. Georgia is much better than, than Florida. Florida, I, I mean, and, and on top of that, they're one of the most careless – uh, mental mistake, poorly, I don't want to say poorly coached, poorly disciplined teams out there. I mean, you, you can really rattle them on the road. Billy Napier is one in seven on the road uh, in the as the Florida head football coach mm-hmm. away from the swamp. His one win was against a very dysfunctional Texas A&M squad in College Station last year. So, <laughs> you know, that they, they have not been road warriors, uh, and rightfully so. They have a great home field advantage down there when it's rocking. I mean, the swamp is, as we all know, is a difficult place to play. It's very difficult to get a win in the swamp. So uh, that's the deal there. Why do we take the ball when we win the toss? South Carolina didn't win the toss Saturday, Jay does. Uh, Tennessee did. Um, so that's the deal there. Um People are talking about Will Muschamp coming back as the defensive coordinator. There's a better chance that, uh, you know, Marissa yeah, no. Tomei <laughs> is going to come have a – never mind. So, yeah, uh, they, not, Carolina gonna... did win the toss, Clint. I, I thought Tennessee won it. I thought 
Well, I thought Phil told me they won it, or Jamie, what, Ray. Yeah, I didn't see the toss. I didn't know if we won or not. Well, somebody told was... me we, that Tennessee won it. So if Carolina won it and took the ball, no idea. No idea. I probably would not have taken the ball. But then again, maybe you do, and you try to go down and get an early score and or whatever. Carolina went yep, three. South Carolina did. won the toss. Yeah. And they took the ball. Yep. Well, I don't know. I just, you know. I mean, I, know, maybe you I, think I, I guess I understand the thought process because you're trying to, okay, get the ball, score first, right? Get down, yeah. put it in the end zone, subdue the crowd a bit. But. Mm. Well, they did it at Georgia and it worked. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's the thing. I don't know. I, 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 with coin tosses, and, and look, this is something that I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on here, <laughs> the coin toss. That doesn't cost anybody football games. On coin tosses, I tend to be a little more conservative uh, unless I just have a crappy defense. Um, at home, at home, I almost like to put my defense on the field, but then again, if the other team goes on a long drive and your crowd gets taken out of it, that's a risk. Uh, it's risky either way. Maybe maybe they just do a scrum at midfield. A dog, <laughs> a do a dog, the the dog, yeah. dog pile. Whoever comes out of it gets the ball. <laughs> Are you man enough to get the ball first? <laughs> yeah. But see, I, you know, my thing is too. Like sometimes it takes offenses, and the reason I would defer is sometimes it takes offenses a little while to get cranked up, right? Um, now sometimes offenses have something in their bag of tricks for you sort of like Furman in East Carolina the last, you know, two of the last three years where they'll run a little halfback pass or something and get a 65-yard touchdown later. You know, you're like, ah, crap, you know. <laughs> but sometimes it takes offense. And then you never know, like, like if you're like Carolina on defense and you, you sort of hang your hat on forcing turnovers, I mean, shoot. I mean, you know, but you, you never know exactly what's going to happen. So there's different ways to look at it. And, and, and it is the head coach. It's his decision, Beamer. Um, that's one thing head coaches need to do. So um, so that's the deal there. Uh, Kendall says, how about DeCarrie and Joyner running a few read options, especially on third and one to help the O-line? I don't like him doing that, uh, the, the whole handoff and keep the ball or not. I'd rather him just take it and run or take it and throw. Uh, I like Spencer doing it, the, the zone read. Taking it around the end, I certainly would like Lenore yeah. Sellers doing it, uh, or maybe even Luke Doty. I, I don't know. To carry on though, when he keeps like that, sometimes he's just not fast enough to get to the edge, and he ends up not making it. Um, so that would be my deal there with that. So I, I, I don't know. So Quantra, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what you're talking about with Columbia having the opportunity to do that because of banking and stuff and refusing. I don't remember that being like a story. Maybe I misunderstood that or something. Uh, I know that Charlotte over the years has invested in attracting businesses and a large number of that is banking. They're both railroad towns. Uh, one's a state capital, one's not. But, uh, you know, Charlotte is, uh, like you said, slightly above San Francisco and Boston in terms of population. When you're talking about the city limits, yes, but not the, the metro area, you know, which is what you kind of do. Like, like, so like Jacksonville, Florida, 
is a is the largest city land-wise in the country. Uh, and so the city limits are huge. Like Nashville, uh, the all of uh, Davidson County is Nashville inside the city limits. Uh, San Francisco and Boston are, are not necessarily like that as far as the city limits goes. It's very constrained. You know, San Francisco, you go across the bridge, you're in Oakland and Berkeley and all that. You go down, you're in San Jose. But th- but that whole metro area is gigantic. Um, I do think there, there are players in Charlotte. There's always players in Charlotte. South Carolina needs to recruit Charlotte. Sometimes it's a tough, tough nut to crack for anybody because a lot of Charlotte kids like to go to blue blood schools and that's fine. Uh, but I agree that it's, uh, could, could Columbia have been that way? Yeah, but you could say that for all cities, man. Look, they were going to build Talladega motor speedway in Spartanburg. <laughs> all right. Sparkle city. <laughs> could you imagine that in Boiling Springs? Bowling Springs. That'd have been the perfect spot. I don't think think it's quite Bowling Springs. It was toward that part of the county, though. That makes sense, though. It'd be where, you know, you had air, you had, you had land at that time. Instead, y'all put up a Walmart up there. (laughs) We got a Walmart instead of a racetrack. This is before Walmart. I mean, this is probably when I was a kid. uh, Like, my mom was working at the Hungry Bull next across from Sky City. Down there on Reedville traffic, Reedville Road, right there on Twenty Six. That used to be Reedville Traffic Circle. <laughs> like it used to be a big, huge traffic circle. Spartanburg still has Heron Circle. Remember Heron Circle over by USCS? Oh yeah, yeah. Waffle House. <laughs> uh, the 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 dual Waffle Houses on either side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Miami Subs. Mm-hmm. Oh, Miami Subs, yeah. Ten wing platter. I think it's still up. Right. Last time I was up there, it was that we eat there. If we're ever in the area, oh yeah, deep eat there. It's that was some good eating over near campus at USCS. It definitely was Boiling Springs. I wish they'd have a, as a race fan whenever NASCAR was great. Yeah, man, that would have Spartanburg would have been the dag of a NASCAR race. You couldn't have done the song Talladega though by Eric Church. Spartanburg, yeah. <laughs> but a later, that doesn't sound as good as Talladega. Ricky Bobby wouldn't have had Talladega Nights. It'd have been Bowling Springs Nights. Bowling Springs Nights. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm not paralyzed. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, uh, Bobby Bobby here says uh, the Beacons is go to in Sparkle City. I, I can only eat there like once every three years, but I'll eat it and I'll enjoy yeah. it. And then I'll, you know, pay for it later. Um, my fiance loves Wade's Wade's. If you, if you're into like meat and threes, Wade's is amazing. She Wade's, even got a to go stuffing. She went for the to go stuffing. <laughs> we got meat and three and, and rolls and tea and all you want got out for $28, which is rare. And and her to go stuffing, and it was less than twenty eight dollars. Where are you going to find that? You can't. You just can't. we spent seventy five dollars at a huddle house for four the other day. I couldn't. I was floored at a huddle house. Yes, in Newberry. 75? Coming back. Yeah, we ate at the huddle house in Newberry. Seventy five bucks. The family seventy five dollars after tip. It gets I, up there when you go to four. 
Like two is one thing, but when yeah. you get to four, it go it gets up there. And trust me, I couldn't believe. I, it. I, I would shudder to think how much we spend on DoorDash when there's all four of us here. I'm yeah, probably at the Huddle House. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even look at the total. At a Huddle That's why House, I go to Waffle House instead because I can Somebody still feed my some, family for less than seventy five dollars at Waffle. Somebody House. got some extra grits. <laughs> That wasn't even that. I, I was I was sitting there like adding it up. I'm like, one of, and one of them was a kid's meal. A kid's meal. Yeah. Huddle, Huddle House probably had to go up on their prices. I would imagine were, that's probably know, what it was. That's crazy. So taxes in Newberry County. <laughs> What's we gonna do and get everybody grown. coming back from the lake here is gonna yeah. come to this Huddle House and have to pay 17%. We're gonna catch them. Catch them. <laughs> Morrison's Cafeteria, Columbia Mall, back in the day. Yeah, we had Piccadilly at Westgate and Spartanburg. Built like a, like a train. You go sit in the train thing, get that Salisbury steak on. <laughs> well, also, the All Star Breakfast at Waffle House is twelve dollars. Quantrell said, "Jeez." I, I had the equivalent of that at the Huddle House. It was two fifty more. It was like fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty for the all. I did breakfast. remember that. I was like, "Damn, this seems a bit expensive." <laughs> Killing me, Smalls, dude. I know it's awful. <laughs> Sticker like, shock at the damn huddle house. <laughs> Life these days. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, that's uh, that's what we got there. So what are we on breaks? Oh, we got two more to do. Okay. King Pop Pilot says K and W and Myrtle Beach is where that ate. My grandmother is from Myrtle Beach. Hey. I used to eat there at K and W in Myrtle Beach. Good breakfast there at the K and W. Make your eggs fresh right in front of you. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Now, breakfast was mm-hmm. off the chain at K and W. Uh, most of these cafeterias. Uh, Xavier says you guys come to Washington State. I pay forty bucks at Wendy's for two meals and two kids meals. Jesus. <laughs> It's, it's just as bad down here, X man. It's getting it's getting rough. <laughs> you can't feed your family at the drive-through for less than forty dollars anymore. Crager says SNS cafeteria in Augusta. I have fond memories of the SNS cafeteria. Yeah, yeah we got an SNS in Greenville. It's had one, had a good a good time at one in Greenville once upon a time. Santa Claus <laughs> was there. <laughs> Country style steak. That was something else. But anyway. Uh yes, I don't remember this now. Look, Columbia could could have been bigger. I I don't know. I think South Carolina as a state has grown just fine. And I think it's getting it's almost getting for us that are from there. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm sitting there when I mean I'm back in Chicago right now, but I was three weeks in South Carolina. And I'm like, dude, maybe it's not a matter of moving to Charleston, Greenville, or Columbia for me. Maybe, maybe I need to give like Newberry a look or, or Woodruff or someplace like that because the cities are getting crowded, dude. And you know our state, we ain't preparing for it. We're not. We're not building infrastructure. You know, it, it's taking them. Taking them. High. <laughs> I grew up in Spartanburg where they built a new I eighty five before I was born. They announced it. It finally yeah. opened when I was had a driver's license. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, the infrastructure is not going to catch up, but all of a sudden it's going to be like Austin, Texas, or Nashville, Tennessee, because Nashville's ridiculous. Like I, I went through Nashville on my way down the first time I went to Columbia this year. I come across uh, down I twenty four. You, you kind of go around a corner, and there you see the city and the sky, the skyscraper. 
And it used to be you had the Batman building, a couple other buildings. Not, it looked kind of like Charlotte or Indianapolis, someplace like that. That damn thing, it looks like downtown Chicago now. Yeah. And there's cranes everywhere. And you, you can't move. I, I got it. I'm claustrophobic. I can't handle that. So mm. maybe that's it. Uh, 76, what's the squeak in the background? That's mature. Yeah, probably mine too. I'm moving back and forth. Uh, and I, was, I was doing that nervous thing with my leg going up and down. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Probably sounded like two rats making love <laughs> on a bed. Sweet, sweet science. So, I mean, it's just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't have it. BMW's expanding and building a new plant in Woodruff. Yeah, our buddy who got engaged at the party this past weekend, his, uh, I guess, future wife is building a pretty big house out in Woodruff. I, I grew up in Reedville, which is up just a little north of Woodruff. Uh, and he said downtown Woodruff's come alive. They got like some brew pubs and some nice places and stuff like that. So Woodruff, uh, Woodruff's on the on the list, man. As long as there's the internet, I'm fine. Yeah, right, right. So can't sorry. work without it now. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. So yeah, it Mary's like, y'all are killing me. I'm digging in my lunchbox now. <laughs> uh, not, rad, rad dude talking about barbecue and, and all that good stuff $15 for a double cheeseburger combo at Sonic, good god well what are you gonna do 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 so Florida coming to town next weekend, they have Vanderbilt this weekend Phil which I think is uh, a good, um, an interesting matchup for a lot of ways. Number one, Vanderbilt beat them last year. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, that was in the lead up to that Tennessee game. Yeah. Tennessee games at night. We're all sitting there watching football that day. Florida goes down to Vandy and it's just, you just bury your head in your face and go, how bad is it really going to get tonight with the balls? Right. Coming to town after what happened with Florida last week. And then magic happened. And see, see, like I'm saying, it's always with Beamer so far, it's always the darkest before the dawn. Right. <laughs> and we're all, we are all just, even, even us, we're all like, we're, I mean, I think we both, we picked 59 to 13 or something last year for Tennessee to win. And boom, there you go. You yeah. know, no, nobody thought any, Carolina could stop Florida two years ago. Then boom, 40 to 70. There you go. So it's interesting, but they're playing Vanderbilt this weekend. You know, Florida is not a team, even even against Tennessee, 29-16, that's not a total blowout. Tennessee had their chances to make it closer. They don't seem like a team that's able to blow like your average team out. I don't know how good Vanderbilt is. I know they have issues on defense. But it's going to be interesting to see how, how they come out of that game, Phil, because their fans are not going to sit there and like a 24-17 win against Vanderbilt. No. So the negativity is going to be crazy coming yeah, out of Gainesville. This is, yeah, I, yeah. If even if it's a close game, I agree with you. That's that. There's <laughs> there there's ill feelings in Gainesville right now. <laughs> yeah, they just lost their number two wide receiver for the season. So I guess it's like Pearsall and dot dot dot. Graham Mertz, you know who I think is actually Graham Mertz. Everybody coming in was like Graham Mertz is terrible. 
Graham Mertz has actually not played that bad, man. <laughs> I mean, no, to be he's honest, been okay. If, yeah. you, if you want me to be honest about it, he's been okay. He's not uh, the reason but, why uh, they're losing games. <laughs> and so, you know, this is an opportunity for South Carolina against what I think is probably the 12th or 13th best team in the league. The Tennessee win aside, right? Um, we've also seen Florida teams through the years go on the road and things don't go their way and they quit. But we've also <laughs> seen Florida teams go on the road if they get off to a good start. They they oh they, and they start playing. You know, it's it's a lot lots mental with this bunch, and it hasn't really mattered who the coach has been through the years. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, what happens with that? You know, I think Carolina needs to just focus on that game, focus on going out, playing the best they can. The crowd needs to be into it. I think they can take care of business. Don't worry about the name on the front of the shirt or the gator on the or the gators on the helmet or the oval gator on the jersey. Oh my God, it's the floor. Because sometimes people, oh my God, it's the Florida Gators. I mean, I think people in our company that vote in this SEC poll we do every week think that. Like after Kentucky beat Florida, they got four spots in the poll. You know, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, you beat the mighty Gators. I'm like, they're they're staring a third straight six and seven down the face, down the in the face, and maybe worse. And then next year, when I think Florida will be better, I've no doubt. Their non conference schedule <laughs> is Miami, Florida State, and UCF. Yeah, and then it's a bad one, time to expand. <laughs> it's like, wow, you, you, yeah, yeah, you're going to play out these games like Nor- the late great Norm McDonald. Yeah, you're going to you play UCF and Florida State all in the same year. Yeah, and Miami. Let's throw those on guys on top too. Hey, you won't lose. Wait, uh, not a bad time to go six and seven again, is it? And be much improved. Two ACCs and a Big Twelve opponent. Oh, and they got with their conference schedule too. They got completely bombed. No FAU, dude. I think. Hold on, I'm gonna pull them up. I just, uh, Sellers against Tennessee Hunter. Come on, God, I'll go there. I don't. I don't know. Like Sellers this year, absolutely not. Sellers in a couple of years against some of these teams, Carolina has a disadvantage against. I was on the road against. Absolutely. He's the type of guy that can really make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's just not right now. I mean, it's just it's just no, no. I I wouldn't want him behind that line right now. Anyway, I'd be too. My goodness, I already worry for Spencer back there, but a freshman. Yeah. All right, so I don't have this in order. But okay, so here here we go. The 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 first. um, All right, so here here are the first two games uh, for the. uh, the first two games for the Gators, they open up with Miami, and and that one's at home. In fairness, in the swamp, then they play Samford in the swamp, then they play UCF in October in the swamp. I don't know who scheduled that. They got Georgia, their traditional date in Jacksonville. They got Florida State in November. Then in uh in the in the conference, they have at Texas, at Tennessee, at Mississippi State. And then at home they got A and M, Ole Miss, LSU, and Kentucky. <laughs> oh, bro, they, they could be like twice as good, twice as good as they were this year, and be four and eight. And you still you'd never know it. 
<laughs> Dude. Saturday Night Live says, I think Sellers would start to play more at Syracuse this year. I think he's a lot better than Garrett Schrader than the one they got, but man, Schrader's been the starter there for three years. He's they're not they were they weren't going they wouldn't have at him. No. If they started mm-hmm. undefeated. Um, you know, so no, you, you, you don't and especially after what's been and I know Hunter Hunter wasn't saying the coaching staff should have started sellers. You know, I think what he was saying was a, a quarterback that can do things with his legs and his arm like Lenoris can. Uh, in a bit major way against that team, uh, the way the way Tennessee plays defense, I absolutely think yes he could have. Because guess guess who else had a good game against them last year? And I think Lenoris is much better than this guy already right now. Uh, even though this guy's in the pros, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson had a heck of a game against Tennessee yeah. last year, running and throwing. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. All right. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, uh, I'm trying to no, this. Ryan, Ryan Montgomery. Uh, yeah, I actually talked to Ryan Montgomery's dad today, uh, the quarterback from Ohio, 2025, visiting for the Florida game next week, along with a bunch of other folks. Uh, I think South Carolina's right there for him in the 2025 quarterback spot. Uh, I like him a lot, too. Uh, he's not an Ohio State uh, guy. I mean, he's a lot like, uh, like Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and, uh, and and Joel Burrow, Joel Joseph Burrow, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, now Joe Burrow did sign with Ohio State, but probably didn't with where he was there at that time as a player. Didn't have a chance to win the job. Uh, but kind of a three four star kid out of Ohio, Mitch Trubisky, same way. Ended up Ohio State liked him, offered him. He ended up going to North Carolina for playing time. Montgomery's kind of like that one of those Ohio kids that. Maybe Ohio State's just not as, you know, he's not as high on their board as some others. But but I think South Carolina's got a great shot with him just getting the uh, the deal. So so that's the deal there. Saturday Night Light says I'm not saying he should start here at South Carolina, but Syracuse not at the level of talent we have. Not with not with Rattler there, um, but Syracuse probably wouldn't wouldn't start him over Schrader. I don't think, and I don't know why. I've never been a Garrett Schrader guy at all. <laughs> the guy can't throw, in my opinion. <laughs> The guy can't throw the football. Not really what you want in a quarterback. <laughs> Which makes me wonder what the hell was going on in the Muschamp era with some of these quarterback decisions because they wanted they kind of wanted him over Helensky a little bit. Like, and I think it's more because they didn't know they were gonna get Helensky. But I'm like, how did you decide this? Because <laughs> I saw Schrader at Mississippi State. He got he got moved to wide receiver almost immediately when, when Leach got there. <laughs> so and then he went to Syracuse. So but yeah, Sellers may hey, hey they may have put him in against Clemson and they may have won that game if he'd have played. So um that's the deal there. JC says as a college staff, can you even recruit a quarterback who isn't mobile, especially with how the best defenses are? Yes. But many, many people confuse not mobile with uh not an elite runner. You know what I'm saying? You, you need to be able to move around. You can't be a statue. The days of having a statue in the pocket are over. Period. Yeah. Uh, and we saw, we saw, uh, who was it? That KJ Costello kid at Mississippi State. Okay, I'll take you back to the pandemic year, 2020. Mm. The pirate gets there. Costello has a rocket arm, right? He's running the the pirate air raid, and he has he happens to be kind of on that day, and Mississippi State protected him that day. LSU didn't put any pressure on him, so he sat back there and picked him apart 
and they won. Weeks later, he's not on. He's a statue in the pocket. They play Barry Odom in Arkansas, and I think their only score was a safety. And I think they picked him off seven times. <laughs> statue in the pocket. You have to have guys that can get out. You know. Now I'm not saying everybody's got to be an elite runner. That's not true either. But you've got to be able to have some wheels and and and, get, and look. The pros are moving that way as well. Bottom line. You know, the, the NFL, you look at the guys who are getting drafted and all that. Yeah, Ryan says you can't have Eli Manning in college football anymore. I agree. In the pros either. I mean, look at Blake Bortles. Remember, he was the savior of, of the Jaguars. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. he, he, remember, remember, he's a statue in the pocket and, and a really good there. arm. Good idea. Time, but I mean, whereas a guy like, like you know, Patrick Mahomes or, or Trevor Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, you know, he looks funny doing it sometimes, but he can run Trevor. Trevor looks weird running the ball, but he can run. Um, those are your guys that are going to be good. Now, well, the flip side of that is Justin Fields <laughs> and you can run all you want, but you got to be able to throw, <laughs> uh, and make this in the, in the NFL, in the NFL, Justin was fine in college, but, uh, you know, and I think coaching has a little bit to do with that, uh, as far as Fields is concerned. And yes, yeah, 76, our Bears are. How do you blow a lead against the Broncos? <laughs> That's crazy. So tomorrow night will be fun. <laughs> yeah, who uh, they play? Uh, they play I think it, is it the Commanders? Bears Commanders. I'm going to call, call up a pregame talk shit. I mean, stuff. Sorry. Didn't need yeah. Can I say shit here? I don't know. I'm right. calling mm-hmm. Phil. I'm like, yeah, America, bear, yeah, bears, yeah. <laughs> Get Nat to send me a message. <laughs> Nat will be bad. So uh, Saturday Night Live says, if we had any guys leave as quarterbacks and have better success at other schools, if so, who had the best success? Let me think. Tanner, well, really, not really. You know, Tanner McAvoy left and was good at receiver and safety at Wisconsin. In fact, they could have used him. In fact, I think he played in the Citrus Bowl at safety or something against the Gamecocks. Uh, Brandon Nosevich did nothing. Aramis Hillary did nothing. Reed McCullum did nothing. I'm going all the way back in time here. Uh, yeah. Now, some guys they've had maybe almost committed or favoring them. Like Dylan Lonergan's doing a good job. Uh, Halitsky was good for one game. Yeah, he plays well in Ireland. Plays well in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Over he there, he's like, a, he's like a hero. He's like, he's like, uh, he's like, <laughs> the Irish in Dublin, they're like, oh, I'll tell you the legend of, how's that Ryan Halitsky doing? Oh, he's a special player. They came over here and beat Nebraska and all the people with the corn on their head, the potatoes. Well, we ran out of Guinness, so we started giving it out for free. They actually did. <laughs> I like the Michael Penix comparison, too, for, for sellers, although who knows. Uh, Lorenzo Nunez did nothing. He went somewhere else and did nothing. I'm trying to think. Quarterbacks that have been here through the years. Cade Tide. All right, so here's a story. Cade Thompson, his first Spurrier class from uh, Maryville, Tennessee. Transferred to Tennessee Tech and threw for 3,500 yards in the season and set some records. Guess who his offensive coordinator was? Marcus Satterfield. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> so there you so go. That's the resume today. Here's here's what I've done. Tennessee Tech. <laughs> uh, McElwain did well in baseball. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else? Who else left? I'm thinking of Must Champ era. Because McElwain left, but that was that. Jake was the quarterback. Skarnakia didn't leave. Um, somebody somewhere went somewhere and did good. Started at like a smaller school, Phil. I'm just not thinking of it right now. Yeah, I can't either. Let's see. Ryan says, I'm going to blast this, but Sellers reminds me of Vince Young. I don't know. Oh, Chris Smelly played baseball for Alabama. So, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, by the way, you mentioned our boy Dennis Thomas leading in sacks down in uh, Louisiana. Yeah, congratulations to him, man. Uh, I love Dennis. And I wish him all the best uh, and, and hope he continues to grow in his coaching career. He's a great man. And he, back in the day when I started the Big Spur, you know, it was, it was hard to get, you know, sources and, and people to kind of, you know, it was a new thing, a new website. And it was 2007 before people did everything on the web. And, uh, you know, he didn't give me anything that would have cost him anything, you know, but <laughs> he was still right there for me and, and very supportive. And I'll always be a fan of his, uh, definitely. Uh, Connor Mitch, nah, he, he didn't. Jason Brown, there you go. Bobby, Bobby yeah. nailed it. Jason Brown starting for Jacksonville State, doing really well. So there we go. <laughs> That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so yeah. We got Braden Davis up in Syracuse. He hasn't started yet, so that's hey. Still... He fits the mold though. He's, he's a lot yeah. like Garrett Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what dude. Babers looks for in a in a QB. Hey, Babers is an air raid guy, and I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> but hey, he somehow hanging on, man. He's winning just enough. Yeah, uh, I, I had a friend that worked there. He said, "Old Dino, he uh, we often people often talked about how Spurrier loved golf and wouldn't recruit on it. But when it was recruiting time, Steve Spurrier would would he'd be on the phones and he'd be at work and working it right. Just kind of wasn't the three hundred sixty five day a year thing with Dino. It's like there could be official visitors coming in. It's two o'clock. He's punching out. Hey, <laughs> anyone want to hit the links?" And it's crazy because it's Syracuse, New York, and it's colder than you know what up there most of the time. You know, yeah, right. he's, he's in the indoor driving range. He's just sitting there, just off at home. Hey, new season Sopranos dropped. I think I'm gonna go cut out early today, guys. So not a not a very <laughs> big go getter in recruiting up at Q's. Craig says, "Are you projecting Thompson and Pringle as starters next year? Probably one of them. I would think." Uh, especially at right tackle, which, but you know, what if Jalen, I don't know that Jalen, Jalen Nichols will have eligibility. I don't know. He's coming back. Case and Henry will be back though. So look, if Case and Henry comes back and you may have Henry at one tackle and Babalade at the other, then you can bring those guys along a little slower. Uh, unless one of them is one of your like best guards, but they're not built like or Cam Pringle, maybe. But you're going to have Trevon Ball. You have Marquis Anderson back, and Vershawn Lee actually has another year too. So you could line up next season, left to right, Big Tree Babalade, 
at left tackle, Marquis Anderson at left guard, Vershawn Lee at center. Um, who's the right guard? Oh, Travon Ball at right guard. Oh, yeah. And Cason mm-hmm. Henry at right tackle. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that, that looks real good on paper. <laughs> Sign me up today. Sign me up today. Ryan says, with Casey Henry playing at a high level before the injury. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing about it, dude. Yeah. He missed the whole offseason. But they've loved him from the start. They told me future NFL player, all that. Then in the spring, he was out, and they're like, oh, my God. He's nice. You know, see his knee injury. He's probably not going to play, blah, blah, blah. We worked his way all the way back. Two weeks before the opener, he gets back to practice, right? And he kicks so much ass in practice that he's the starting right tackle. And then gets hurt on the first play of the game. Ugh. I know it's it, and that's why I don't like the baseball playoffs. As I transition to that, and I'm just going to tell you why I don't like the base major league baseball playoffs, especially the early series. You play 162 mother freaking games in baseball, right? How are you going to get to one game and then it's over, or even <laughs> best of three? I, I think that's what it is now. You get the best of three now with these wild cards. Yeah, it yeah. kills me, dude. I'm like, wow. And I say that because I witnessed one of the saddest things ever a few years ago. The White Sox were in the playoffs. And uh, so it was this elimination game against the Astros. And, and, you know, so I go up to my bar, the tavern, yeah, beef sandwich. Which, by the way, it's probably going to sound good after this three-hour marathon that we're on right now. That's right. Um, <laughs> maybe beer 30 here in a little bit, and I may have to have tomorrow off instead of today. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and, like, the Astros were really good. I should have known it because we had gone and seen the Astros play the Sox earlier in the year. And the Sox won the series, but the game we went to, the Astros beat them pretty good. And so they get up, like, 10 to 2 in the sixth, and it's over. But you still got to play four more innings. And it is like a funeral in there, mm. like a funeral. And it's just like saddest thing ever. And I'm like, all this season, you know, everybody started this damn thing back in February. There's been a national champion crowned in basketball. The hockey season's over. It started way back when you go through all this journey. College football starts, pro football starts, Bears, Illinois, Notre Dame, eh. You get all the way here, and you're a franchise that rarely makes the playoffs, right? Rarely. And it's just over one afternoon. <laughs> and I don't that, know how I you mean, fix it. I don't know how you that fix it. That one-and-done game was awful. Those were those were terrible. Uh, the one-and-done does suck, so that that's why I don't like it. And yeah, the, the time the Cardinals scored 10 on the top of the first that one year, yeah, well, I was a part yeah. of that. Because as much as I uh, pull for the Braves, I mean the White Sox, I am a Braves fan at heart. I mean, we were celebrating when they won the World Series a couple of years ago and hope they do the same. But, yeah, that one year. And then that's when the Cardinals manager talked a little smack after the game. He said, the Braves started some mess, and and we uh, we we ended it. Don't ever F with us. And then they got beaten the next round. Nat's in the chat box saying that uh, the White Sox lost because of me, clown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she blames me. She blames me for it because, all right, so a week before the playoffs start, I put up a, they had the White Sox flag flying at the bar, and I put it up, and I was like, hey, here's to a great MLB season. And 
Uh, here's hoping that if the White Sox don't win the World Series, my Braves do. Go Sox, go Braves. And she says I jinxed them. <laughs> Are you crazy? I've been a Chicago Cubs fan all my life. It's nothing I had, nothing I did or said ever had anything to do with the results. You went through some pain lately, too, by the way. It's all in the media. Oh, please, this past oh, this last month has just been the most awful thing. I I tuned out. It's, you know, I'm angry at the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> that's that really was the turning point losing yeah. that, you know getting swept the Braves right didn't there. even need those wins they didn't even need I them. know they were losing anyway to come into that I'm like oh good the Braves are just on coast you know they're on cruise control and then geez <laughs> BRC says know. who would the eight string right tackle be <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Cubby still should have had it man because it was it was kind of a magical year up on the north end our, some of our friends that are Cubs fans were like Oh, go Cubs. We're bougie. Anyway. And then, yeah, you see the tweets, you know, after the season's over. It was like, well, we were better than 500. I'm like, yeah, you played your way right out of the damn playoffs, too. Yeah, that's so Cubs. And then then (laughs) then it's like, okay, so everybody's excited because the Bears are, you know, now the Bears are terrible. I mean, the Bears, because the Bears have the Panthers first round pick this year, too. The Bears could have the top two picks in the draft. If it ends that way, if I'm the McClaskey family that owns them, I'm firing everyone, everybody, yeah. including the clown from the Big Ten that they hired to take over as the president, who's a proven moron. And I'm getting some football people in there. I'm, I'm, I'm like, like I need to do like what uh, Jerry Jones did when he brought Jimmy Johnson in. And they had all those draft picks for the Cowboys. You know, you need to do something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, eight string right tackle. Um, they're almost down to him. Yeah, I was like, hold on. Because like, think he, it's he, Hemingway. <laughs> even the kid that came in for Mercer is hurt. Like the 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 walk on uh, the other walk on portal guy from Mercer that's from Anderson is hurt. Crazy. Do we blame the turf in Charlotte for that? I don't know. I'd hard. Who knows? Who knows how nah. these things happen? Kendall says, "Why so many injuries at fall camp this year? No different than any other fall camp. There's just been unfortunate people. Like the two worst ones for me, because you know, Case and Henry happened in the game. The two worst ones for me were Juice and, and Jesus or JT Gear." Because JT yeah. Gear was having a great. I mean, looked like he was going to nail down one of those DN spots, and then boom, he's out. And, not be back for a while, and then Juice, that was awful. Terrell Dawkins was supposed to be starting right now. That just flamed out. Yeah, he's just not very good. Hate to say it, just not very good. Never, never it happens. Never took to the yep. coaching, and you know sometimes it's up to the players to get better, and sometimes they don't do it. Is Super Mario done after this year? I think Mario has another year. The running back. Which makes you feel better if you can get Daniel Hill and Fuller's doing well right now and you got Braswell. That makes you feel a little better about the situation. Because so. yeah, then you get talent and experience, which is what we're kind of lacking right now. <laughs> BRC's for your cubbies, Phil. Karma for Dansby after his backhand. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Listen. Um, Big Slam and Jamma says, in light of RG3's Jesus metaphor from the LSU game, 
What's one of the strangest things you've heard a commentator say on a broadcast? It's probably like something Harry carries said. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> he has said some things. Shout Either that, or when you know, when guys get caught on that hot mic. <laughs> yeah, now 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 people they've interviewed is different. Like Joe, I'll never forget Joe Namath being interviewed by Susie Colbert. Oh, I kiss you. You'll start being a Broadway Joe. Ah. <laughs> okay, Joe. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. RG3 uh, says some, some weird stuff, though. I mean, you know. He does. He's, uh, he's, he's not afraid to interject. He's, high, some... he's highly intelligent, though. I like that about him. Like, he's, yeah, I don't mind him. I think he's, like, been – he's catching a lot of this, like, real polarizing, you know, kind of narrative. See, I don't I don't think he's that polarizing. I think I there's probably either. people I... that are much more controversial. <laughs> <clears throat> Is it a Bears or a Bulls town, Quantrell says? But Bears – you know, mm. bulls, bulls when they get going are obviously huge, but it's been a while there too. Said a Billy Donovan, so uh, and that agrees with me there. Let's a quick break here. Yeah, yeah maybe time for a break since I'm yawning now. I'm, yeah, I try to go. I try to go as far as possible. You we know. still got two more to go, so we'll. Uh, we'll I will take a I quick thought, break. Oh, I thought this was the final one. No, we've got uh yeah, we should have taken one at the top of the hour, but we just blew right through that. So hey, we're rolling. JD right says, along. What's up with Nick Barrett? Never hear about him. Beamer after the game mentioned he had to play some snaps against Tennessee, but his foot's hurt. So yeah. see, there's all these injuries. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Let's have an open discussion on injuries at the University of South Carolina in all sports when we get back. Down here in the South. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotri, Convention Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. One 
today? Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my It's now Back everybody into the game the show. We are in the third hour. Yes, Thunder. We have we didn't change hours. We added an hour. You required you wanted more fill and you get it. That's exactly what the decision was. We had a we had to talk about it and yeah. I feel like Sally Field. You love me. You really love me. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Jesus thing, aren't you? I, mean, I don't know. It, it, it looks, yeah, that yeah. That I like guy, that. People need to let people be people these days, right? Just don't, 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 don't dull their sparkle. You know, <laughs> I think people uh, sometimes these days feel it's like they, with social media and the fact anybody can say anything. People are so freaking miserable that they get on social media or wherever and they want to find something that makes someone else happy and then pull down their pants and poop all over it metaphorically yes and uh and all that good stuff and i'm like you know just let let people be people man yeah clint let it why use jesus on the cross in football rg3 is a born again christian did you guys know that i i didn't get it yeah very very much is open with his faith so i don't know about the crucifixion, you know, bringing that in there. But, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, uh, certain I, things that I know I wouldn't say controversially that could be construed as such. So I just don't say them. Yeah. I mean, I don't. And then there's other times I just, you know, throw caution to the wind. Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> like one of those things. It's like, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, yeah. As far as if he's, 
as far as if he's a good announcer or bad announcer, it, it you know, that's like asking all of you, what's your favorite uniform combo for the Gamecocks? Because we're all going to have a different answer, right? Because we have two primary colors. <laughs> and so some people like the garnet, some people like the black, some people like these helmets, some people like that, different arrows. It's never been the same, you know. So it's it's like the smorgasbord of uniform combos. Same thing with announcers. Like some people, like I really enjoyed Gary Danielson. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I enjoy Gary Danielson. I I think think he does his homework. You may not agree with him or um, and and all that good stuff. You may not agree with him, but uh, you may – he does his homework and I, and I like listening to him. I like Brad Nusser, but I also, uh, I also, you know, there's some announcers that, 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 that I don't like, you know, that other people do, uh, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's one of those things where it doesn't, you're always going to get different answers to that because different people like the different people are kind of like in tune with different people's voices and stuff. So it's a matter of pref- preference. I don't like some of these guys that are like, you know, cheering for the other team when I'm watching my team play. That's that's what gets me. Like, oh, no, no, my God. Uh, I didn't like, I love Brad Nessler to death, but I didn't like his chicken comment in the second half the other day. Well, more dogs are feasting on chicken today. And I'm like, ah, come on, Brad. You're better than that. You got to be better. You got to do better. See, 76 says Gus Johnson gets on his last nerve, but some people think Gus Johnson is the best announcer in all sports. <laughs> uh, I think we all can agree Mark Jones is horrible. He's never really been that good. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. So, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, that's one of those questions that's impossible, impossible to answer when you're talking about who is who is good and who is not. Same thing with radio and podcasting, man. There's some people that – can't stand listening to us. We don't like, it's not for them. They're not bad people. They just prefer other, you know, other shows. Um, and that's fine. Cause uh, you know, it'd be weird if, if everybody liked you, that's called a cult. <laughs> it's called having a cult. Well, to the ITG cult, <laughs> the ITG cult. Yeah. Clint says McElroy's becoming a solid commentator as well. I think so. Yeah, and Greg, like Greg's good. Greg's good. He does his homework. I've always sort of liked him, right? <laughs> I don't like Jordan Palmer. Jesse Palmer or Jordan? Oh, Jordan Palmer? Rogers. Jordan Rogers. I got oh, Jesse yeah. Palmer yeah. and Jordan yeah. Rogers mixed up. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, I do that. Sometimes. Mike Mike's worked with uh, Mike's worked with uh, Jordan Rogers before. Yeah. He likes it. Xavier personally loves Mike Morgan. He's his favorite. Yeah, I think Mike, Mike Morgan. Mike's thing. everybody's favorite, dude. Yeah. Once upon a time, it looked like Mike Jones is going to be the next voice of the Gamecocks. Mike Jones. Didn't happen. Now you have Todd. What's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of a broadcast? When Todd Ellis. <laughs> yeah. Todd Ellis. Todd right. Ellis. Uh, Kyle Markaway catches that pass. He's down to the twenty-seven years old. <laughs> the fifty. The and, and, and it was crazy because it was a, it was a mistake. It was a gaff. Everybody makes gaffes. Yeah. Everybody. I couldn't have done any better. But uh, it was funny because I understood where his brain was working. Because Kyle Markaway, <laughs> at the time, was like a six-year senior. So he's like twenty-five years old. 
So that's what he's thinking. The old man, you know, getting down the, the yeah. but he just mixed it up. He's 27 years old, old, old. So <laughs> I don't know. So yeah. I, I don't get that. I find that endearing. I like when people aren't afraid to make mistakes. Just get out there and do it. Own it. You know, move on. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, but hey, I grew up listening to Harry Carey, so. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, and, it, and it's really not as big of a deal as it used to be. You know, like it used to be most of your games were on radio. I mean, even the great Bob Fulton was like, uh, was like uh, he would make a mistake every now and then because you know by the time I got around to listening to him he was getting on up there probably about I guess eight years before retirement and I'll never forget Todd Ellis was playing it was the '86 Nebraska Carolina game and uh, Nebraska came to town and uh, he uh, they were big favorites. And boy, Carolina played them off their butts. I mean, it's like 27 24. Gamecocks are driving. And me and my dad are sitting huddled around the radio listening. And we hear, and there's a throw in the end and a touchdown. No, it's intercepted. <laughs> and so we jumped about three feet high with the touchdown. And they were like, oh, oh, poo. <laughs> and so. Yeah, Julie says Ellis's call of the pick six Saturday was super ironic. Oh, Spencer, you should have thrown that one away. <laughs> Considering he has one record that will never ever be broken here. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, that's but right. But he's not thinking that way, you know. Just nah. like, I mean, you got to I mean, call the game. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. It's always going to be ironic when Todd calls these interceptions. <laughs> Bobby does say Todd doesn't half-ass it. He gets his whole ass in on all of them. Yeah, oh, does. yeah, he does. I mean, that's commitment, he gets, too. He yeah, gets yeah, his yeah, pound of flesh it. every single mm-hmm. that play. It's over oh, hit or miss. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Every scoring call, too. It's like, yeah. So, Todd Ellis is a great game, Cox. So is Tommy Suggs. Um, they're uh, – they're great Gamecocks. Well, I don't I, like how that comes in question when you, you know, talk about whether or not you like how they are in the booth. That's what I'm like. That That's an overly sensitive position. It was like, well, they're great Gamecocks. So I was like, well, that doesn't mean, you know, that he makes mistakes when he announces stuff. I know. It, it's funny. I mean, nobody's saying. Yeah. Nobody's saying like, oh, you guys suck and need to be removed or fired or anything like that. It's just pointing no. it out. At this point, it's entertaining. Right, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's part of their charm. It's never going to get any better. I mean, never. <laughs> I, 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 and then, you know, so then something happens to Todd. Who do you go hire? <laughs> do you get Andy, what's his face, back from Georgia Tech? No, oh, Demetra. Demetra? No. I don't Garcia. know. Garcia. Garcia Garcia. That's, that's what I'm <laughs> well, let's, let's We're going get, in a new direction. Let's make it real. <laughs> Let's get, let's, yeah. get, let's, get, let's make it. Let's get real here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sodder says he wishes he'd do a better job with names. Yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah he does yeah, mess they, up the names on both sides. Like Phil, Phil Mufasa from Clemson. Mufasa. Yeah. Trick play. Oh, Mufasa. fumble, fumble. Mufasa. Yeah, Bob Fulton was the gold standard, but it's the way at every school, guys. I mean, George's new guy that replaced Munson's a good person, good broadcaster, but. 
I mean, and he tries to say the we like, but there's nothing like Larry Munson calling a game. Larry Munson was poetry on the mic. He would get there, he'd set the scene for you. It's a grim, gray sky here on the plains of Alabama. Auburn and Georgia were ranked 15th. They're ranked 4th. They got these two running backs, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown from Cartersville, Georgia kid. It's the battle for the South. Right here, Jordan Hare. Right here, where Vince Dooley once run the sidelines. As a player, and Pat Dye, a former dog, coached the War Eagles to greatness. And we're sitting there, and we're in the eye. And they got foot speed all over the field. About three, three and a half left, third quarter of play. Zire drops back. The play action, and he's hit him, and he's down. And, oh, oh, a flag. And the guys in the stripes certainly have been busy today. You know, I mean, that's a little like a little impressionation. But, dude, one time he did a Braves game because he filled in. Yeah. And for and he used to do the Falcons. He did the Falcons during the uh, during the Jerry Glanville era. And he'd be like, shotgun, red gun. Because they had the red gun offense. Shotgun, yeah. red gun. Miller drops back. Here's Neon Dion. You know, but he did a Braves, filled in for the Braves one day. And he's like. And he, you know, baseball is such a slower pace. And, and, and he's like, ah, Hubbard at the plate. Murphy's on deck. And we got Griffey in the hole. <laughs> and he takes the one, two. You know, I mean, yeah. just that, that, that old in the hole thing. We got Griffey in the hole. So the hobnail boot, we'll never forget that. I mean, coming up with that was awesome. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot. We broke their nose. Did somebody mess it? Did Todd mess up Babalade? See, I practiced that one. I, the, no, the first, I'm bad. glad he changed his first name to Tree. Yeah, Ola, right. Ola Watosan took me for a, a ride. But Babalade, <laughs> once you get the hang of it, it's, it's not Babalade, it's Babalade. So, <laughs> in the hole. Babalade in the hole. So. <laughs> Anyway, so that's uh, my foo. My this is my foo. My foo. My foo. My foo. -foo. So, uh, anyway, so uh, what else can we talk about today that's not totally boring and off topic? But, uh, (laughs) anyway, so yeah, so this Florida game, like I was talking, coming up, and I'll say this I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think there's anything to like be afraid of moving forward with this team. Like afraid, like, like you're not sitting there like, okay. So to be honest, after losing to Florida 38 to six, other than I knew at that point, Marcus Satterfield was probably toast. Right. Yeah. I was afraid. I was like, Tennessee is going to beat that ass. And then Clemson's going to do the same thing. And this team, the wheels are going to come off. They're going to go to some small bowl somewhere, probably a bit either Birmingham or uh, that the, the Gasparilla Bowl, the other bowl in Tampa or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe Vegas. Maybe Vegas, though, because Florida got to Vegas at 6-6, six and six, where they'd have gotten – 
They'd have played in the Innuendo Bowl against the Oregon State Beavers, which has always been a dream of most fans out there to play Oregon State, the Beavers and Cox. But anyway, uh, so we'll see what happened. Uh, we'll see what happened there. But uh, you know, so, so I was, I was like, this is not good. This is, this is, you know, there, there's no way this team can do this. You know, I, I don't look at Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M like that. I'm getting there with A&M because it's at Kyle Field where, you know, the last two times Carolina's played out there, they hadn't given them a game. First two times they played, they did. Uh, A&M's kind of hitting its stride. I think they've had their bad game. I think the Petrino thing's actually working out, and they're getting better on defense, and they're immensely talented. They do have to go to Tennessee after they play Bama this weekend and then play Carolina, though. So there's there's some – you know, I think they have an open date between playing Tennessee and playing Carolina. Missouri is 5-0. Uh, they're better than I think people thought they'd be. Their coaches out there, I know I have some connections to some of them. They thought they'd be better than people thought. Um, but they could easily be sitting there at 2-3 and because Memphis could have beaten them, Middle Tennessee could have beaten them, and Kansas State certainly could have beaten them. Now, how would we feel about Missouri then? Probably – like, oh, yeah. they own us, but, you know, and we got to go out there, but at least this game Carolina should win. Missouri's got a huge home game with LSU this weekend. Mike's right. Morgan's right. He said uh, it's going to be a gut check for LSU because that team's basically out of the playoff right now, you know, uh, with two losses. Now, they're not out of the division. They can still win out and win the division. Uh, so they have something to play for, but – it's kind of a gut check time, and it's going to be a huge game for Missouri. So that's A. Well, then Missouri's got to turn around and go to Kentucky the next week, the Bluegrass. And then they play Carolina. So their whole dynamic of where they're at could change. Win or lose, you know, they're playing a South Carolina team. They've beaten four straight times that they basically owned. Are they going to get sky high for that one? Or are they going to maybe go out and play them like they did in Middle Tennessee? And, oh, well, we could just show up because poo-poo, woo-woo, we're Missouri. Mm. And they're South Carolina. So there's all these elements that will go into that game. You know, same with A&M in a couple of weeks, although A&M I think is a lot better than Missouri. And then you got the home stretch. And there's really no, nothing to, like, be terrified of in that home stretch. Because Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt should be wins. I mean, you got to really ask yourself what the hell you're doing if you lose to one of those two teams this year. Yeah. You know, Kentucky looks – everybody everybody loves that Florida win, right? But I'm telling you, Florida's not all that good. Kentucky is. Kentucky could easily come to Columbia and win. But, man, that's that Saturday right before Clemson. Carolina has been almost magical, you know, beating Auburn and Tennessee as underdogs back-to-back years on that weekend. Uh, I think in Columbia – it's a big difference, uh, especially if that game happens to be at night. Uh, and then Clemson comes to Columbia. And Clemson, give them credit for going on the road and beating Syracuse like they did. They've got a good football team. It, it is not a juggernaut. You know, they're really good on defense at times. <laughs> and they have to, They still have a lot of teams to play, like Miami, like North Carolina, like Notre Dame. And they, that Clemson – Clemson could be a six and five football team coming into Columbia. And so there's nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear, but fear itself. We shall defend our Island. You know, that could just sound like Churchill there. You know, there's just, uh, 
you know, just think about it like that. It all starts with Florida next week. There's no reason why South Carolina cannot beat Florida next week. There's no reason. And then really, there's no reason why they can't go on the road and give Missouri a game. Uh, probably they need to watch. Coaches need to watch a lot of tape because they've been out coached the last two times they played them. Yeah. But there's no reason why they can't go and win that game. Uh, A&M, who knows what shape they'll be in by the time they play them. I think A&M's got a talent advantage and they're at home. I would say that was the least likely of the three. But if you win two, if you go two and one, you get to four and four with four home games left, you can make a run. This team could win eight, nine games, which I think all things considered would be good. And then you move forward. And then during the off season, you figure out why you do not start well in seasons. If you're South, if South Carolina understand people, why are you not getting off to good starts? And you got to figure that out, you know, because neither one of these first two seasons has started well. They've kind of figured it out as they've gone. And I hope that's the situation. I can't guarantee it. I'm not going to sit here and pump sunshine and say, they're finishing down at four, like Braveheart, you know. (laughs) Sons of Scotland. I'm not, I don't have heavy horse and, and spears as long as a mine behind me to trick the English, to, to trick Billy Napier. That's not me. I don't know. But uh, I'm not going to sit there and tell you they won't go four and eight because if they don't solve some of these problems, they could very well easily go four and eight yeah. or three and nine. And so that's the deal there. So I, uh, I don't know. I just think that, uh, you know, you, you, you got to kind of look at it right now uh, and not lose hope and understand that, you know, this could go, uh, in a very positive direction still. Uh, and it's simply because, you know, the competition looks very daunting on paper right now, but it really, eh, you know, it really is. It's going to come down to matchups like it always does. Yeah. Yeah. Scenarios. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just, I can, I've been looking at it like in months. So we've got, we've gotten through the first month, two and three. Okay. Not necessarily where we wanted to be, but maybe a game off of, you know, what was reasonable expectations. Yeah. Uh, you got to go two and one in October. I think. I, however, that looks. <laughs> you got to go two at and least one, one and two and one. Yeah, two and one. So two and one. But you lose all three. I mean, obviously, you're going to lose the fan base. But one and two is going to be. It's going to make November tough because then all the pressure's on you. But you got to go two and one in October, and then. And then you're playing with house money, you know, because you got two very winnable, should win them. You're going to be favored games in Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. And then Kentucky team up the road to end the season, which, you know, you like you just pointed out, JC, are winnable games. I mean, there's nothing that should scare anybody. But, you know. You could still wind up eight and four, but I, I, you can't do that if you if you drop more than one in October. So I saw this Jacksonville State a scary game to a certain extent is uh, Rich Rodriguez is their head coach. We all remember <laughs> him, right? Uh, now they lost that Coastal by two touchdowns. They they're four and one. They beat UTEP, uh, who's an FBS team. They beat uh, Eastern Michigan by 21, and then they had an overtime win at Sam Houston 
they're in conference USA, so they could end up being, depending on how they do against Middle Tennessee, five and one, six and one, seven and one, eight. They could be about seven and one or eight and two, roll it in here. You know, yeah. um, and, and that, that offense, if you can't, as we all seen over the years, if you can't stop it, you can't stop the zone read, they can, they can do it. But, uh, but look, it's Cocktober. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Quantrell says, do you ever think Carolina would go to scheduling easier out of conference? Not saying I want that, but easier power five schools. I uh, saw their second in all of America and strength of schedule. Yeah, that according to ESPN, they are. And that says of right now. That's just the September schedule. You know, I think a lot has been discussed about that with the fan base. But, again, it's just like the uniforms. You ask half you guys, hey, what kind of schedule would you like? And it depends on, you know, kind of what year it is and how things are going. <laughs> you know, if you've beaten North Carolina or whoever, the, the other tough non-conference, like, bring it on, bring more. If not, it's like, give me – the, the sisters of the poor, the, uh, you know, the Columbia YMCA, uh, Newberry, Newberry, and, and, uh, you know, so that, that's the deal there. So I, I you know, look, I shoot, I, um, you know, it just depends. I think, I think with the way most SEC schools are doing it, going to a Kentucky scheduling model would be sort of lame. Um, Number one, number two, you'd have to get out of all these games you've already got scheduled, like Miami and more UNC and NC State. Number three, if you're afraid to play North Carolina, North Carolina State, or any ACC school for that matter, you know, <laughs> what are you really doing? Right. You know? uh, but since they lost, and North Carolina has a really good team, and their insiders at the beginning of the year called it. They said, this is no longer a rebuild because they've recruited and all these guys are old enough to play and win, and Drake May's a great quarterback. And they were, they were absolutely right. And North Carolina's got a good football team. Could South Carolina have beaten them and they played better? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Had they take it, taken advantage of opportunities? Yes. Would North Carolina be 4-0 against the Gamecock schedule? Probably not. No. Probably not. <laughs> but they passed every test. I mean, you know, they passed the App State test. They passed the Pitt test. They passed the Minnesota test. They've, they're, you know, and they've got, uh, who the hills have this week? Georgia Tech? Somebody? Yeah, it's Georgia, they, Georgia Tech. Yeah, coming off a of bye, I don't think they have anybody. Yeah, very... they owe Georgia Tech for last year. Georgia Tech beat them last yeah, year. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible Georgia Tech team beat North Carolina. So, uh, so yeah, so they and you could be talking about a top 10 North Carolina team, yeah. I mean, you know, there's no question. I mean, they keep they keep going like they're going. I mean, it's gonna they're gonna be uh, be pretty good. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, it's uh, I mean, they've got and they've got Drake, they got the ultimate hype train, they got uh, uh, Drake May, you know, so they've got uh, a lot going for them, uh, and I think that uh. You know, when you, when you kind of dig into it, uh, you know, it, it does is that always a bad loss? Yes, because South Carolina should always beat North Carolina in the sport of football. This isn't basketball. Uh, is it a loss that, like, you look at now and go, ah, oh, it's a terrible loss? I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so North Carolina's got a bye week this week, right? 
Uh, last they, week. No, they last were, week. They were off last yeah, week. Yeah, and they got Syracuse. Oh, they got, I say they got Q's. They got Miami and Chapel Hill in two weeks. That's going to be a big one. That Georgia Tech, then Campbell, and then that Duke-North Carolina football game, that may be the biggest Duke-North Carolina football game since Spurrier. <laughs> and then, see, but here, here's what they do up there. Phil, I could see a scenario where the Tar Heels get to 10-0. Yep. They beat Miami, they beat Duke, and then they got two games left on the schedule at Clemson and at NC State, and they lose both of them. And lose both, I know. And yeah. get out of the playoffs. Right. Right. That is You're just right. that is total peak UNC football uh, right yes. there. So that's uh, yes. that could happen. But, I mean, you know, look, and, and I don't know, but with the exception of Tennessee, because I still don't know – is that a tennis? And we'll find. We're going to find out. We're going to find out about all these guys, man. I mean, we're going to find out about uh, Tennessee really quickly, and Texas A and M. I mean, they have a bye week, and then their next three: A and M at Bama at Kentucky. I mean, <laughs> UConn at Missouri, Georgia. I mean, we're going to find out how good they are. You know, maybe they are, but maybe Florida, there are some demons down there in the swamp or whatever, but uh, we'll see. And we'll find out about a and We'll find out about all these teams really, really soon. I mean, it's not, it's not something, I'm just saying from where I stand, it's not something like it looks challenging and it is. And then don't get me wrong. They could go 0 and 3 this month and we're all sitting there going, ah, well, thank God they have a chance to just go get a win this weekend. And you're kind of worried about recruiting and everything else, but also could see a situation where Cocktober happens, right? Right. It, it will be that Cocktober energy for um, that. Sonder says, imagine a Rich Rod led Alabama. Oh, wait. <laughs> dude, is there, has there ever been anything like where you look? I mean, dude took the job that decided to stay at West Virginia. Like, and then no, left West Virginia, went to Michigan. And Saban took Bama, man. That's Jim, imagine a Saban-led West Virginia team. Now, like, that, how would that have worked? <laughs> Powerhouse Mountaineers. Hey. He'd come home to his hometown. Because that's coming home? Yeah, I mean, that. Uh, I'm coming. Yeah, shoot, yeah. Uh, I, Mountaineer Field, I. I. <laughs> so, uh, Slauson says A&M did lose their quarterback for the season. Can't forget that. Yeah, but their backup's Max Johnson who was really, really good at LSU as a freshman and got hurt last year. And he played pretty well against the, the piggies, against Arkansas. <laughs> I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know that they're not a little better with Max Johnson out there, man. Uh, Xavier says, oh, yeah, right on. So Craig says, West by God, Virginia, as our friend Phil King always <laughs> says. All right, one more break, Phil. Yeah, we got we got to hit one last break here. One last break. I've got a. Oh, oh, oh. no, I don't. I thought I had another uh, question to read the mailbag. But anyway, uh, yeah. well, we can talk well, injuries like we said we were going to. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. See, I get off track sometimes. That's why I have Phil. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'll be back in a moment inside the Game Coxes Show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. 
So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game cops. Uh, the Gamecocks the show final segment of a free for all Wednesday and let's discuss some injuries here at South Carolina now I will say Saturday I didn't even know TJ Sanders got hurt until I just noticed he wasn't playing in the second half yeah it's all bear it down i was like because uh, i remember talking to you i was like i can't tell who it is i know it's a nine but i can't tell if it's a zero or three <laughs> and that was the, that was the barrett injury but i yeah. didn't even know Sanders had gone out that yeah that was a big moment 
uh, that was probably un, you know, un, because it, you know, for what Beamer said, it didn't sound like super, like, sound like cramping. And then, uh, um, like cramping and then a, a, some kind of shoulder or something. But it sounded like he'd be back and be fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's cramping. I don't know, you know, what causes that. It's just people's bodies are different. I, I don't know. I don't know what they need to do because lots of sports, they, it, basketball even, there's lots of injuries here. I don't know if it's <laughs> amplified because, you know, some of these rosters aren't all that deep. I mean, you know, baseball certainly had to – baseball literally had to survive that last year. I mean, for a, t- a program in baseball last year uh, or year before last that, that just bottomed out because of injuries, right, had a losing season because yeah. of injuries, to have to go through that uh, the following year in season is insane. <laughs> insane. Um, now you look around the SEC and baseball last year, all kinds of injuries to all kinds of people, especially pitchers. And that Tommy John stuff just happens at this stage, you know, guys get shut down and they, they have to rehab and then they come back better. Uh, it's, it's weird, but it happens in that sport, but football injuries have been a big issue for a while to key players. Uh, basketball, it happens for some reason. I mean, Debo last year, the kid from coastal was out for the year before it started. Uh, you had guys trying to get healthy and stuff, so, so I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you could lay it at the feet of the athletics department because there's different training staffs and things like that for different sports. But what I would do is go and kind of maybe do a deep dive uh, as a as an institution as a whole. What what are we doing? And, and maybe there's maybe they are maybe they're doing all they can. What are you doing to keep guys and gals healthy? You know what what what? In other words, is the investment there across the board to to give your athletes the best chance to go out and compete and stay healthy and not get injured doing it? Um, and, and I think they may they probably are as far as spending money and resources. Maybe there's a program they can get on. I don't know. I don't know enough about that part of it. I just know it's been an issue for a while. And part of it in football's depth, because, you know, you, you look at Georgia's injury list. Georgia had 10 players that, I, that I've heard of out for that game. 10. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, oh, well, they're out. So we'll just, all right, little Forrest, we're just going to plug in another five-star. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> It, Here's the top 50 recruit. <laughs> Slauson says it's Under Armour. Why? Well, I, I don't know. I yeah. know it's Under Armour. I, you know, well, if it is, I mean, if they could directly trace it to that, that's fine. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. So, uh, Under Armour crappy equipment. Well, the Quantrell, it's not. Under Armour doesn't do like the training equipment, it's just uniforms and shoes. Now, if Just there's an issue with the shoes, they need to find mm-hmm. that out. But Notre Dame doesn't have that problem. Auburn doesn't have, I guess, that problem. Auburn had a big injury today in one of their DNs. I mean, Texas Tech doesn't have Maryland. You know, go I'd go look at the other other under our schools, and if there's a pattern there, by all means, you got to protect your players. If it was that, I, I would freaking wave, wave the banner for them to 
get rid of Under Armour. I mean, if I, if I could prove that, I mean, that'd be great. But uh, Saturday Night Light says, I'm not believing no more hype. I'm just going to turn off the TV, turn on the TV and hope for the best. This coaching staff is incompetent. We don't have referees in practice. So a good block might actually be a hold in a game, so I blame coaching when we lose. You actually do have referees in college practices. Now, South Carolina does not. And that's maybe something they should look at. Yeah. They they do have they do have uh, refs in college practices. They they come there and blah blah blah. Jay Diz, something I agree with here. Don't have much of a chance without TJ. The whole D line needs him in the game. Yeah, you got to yeah. rest him though. You can't. You got to seal some downs without him. I mean, because you you got to have him fresh fourth quarter. In my opinion, don't let him get rolled down. Quantrell says I'm just using this as an excuse to get to Nike. <laughs> I look. If they could somehow find a way to get that uh, the jump man deal with through Dawn Staley or something, I think that would be tight. Uh, Nike Nike would make I know the basketball coaches very very happy. Uh, Beamer, I think every school except Carolina when he was at Carolina the first time because at Carolina they were see he came in in 07. so that was that was the Under Armour. I think Mississippi State had Russell Athletic at the time, so it was Mississippi State. And then Carolina, and then Virginia Tech was Nike, definitely Georgia, definitely Nike, and all Oklahoma was Jumpman, Nike, whatever. So he's got a, a history there. Um, you know, I think it would be uh, it'd be one of those things. Slauson says we don't recruit in basketball because we wear Under Armour. Well, Auburn recruits in basketball. They do okay. Bruce Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Texas Tech went to a Final Four a couple of years ago. I, I don't know. I, I I agree it would be helpful to be something else in basketball, but that's not the reason you don't recruit in basketball. The reason you don't recruit in basketball is because the program is like a like a you know you're you're competing against uh, show quarter horses and 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 ponies and and stallions and mustangs and Clydesdales and you're an old nag that's sitting out in the the barn with. Uh, an old, old, you know, just the day. old gray mare compared compared <laughs> to everybody else as a program as a whole. You know, there's a lot wrong with basketball, a lot. Uh, and the first thing they need some, just like that old that old, they need some tender love and care. You know, that that program needs some love. I mean, you know, people, everybody else talks about love around here. I'm like, the the program needs it the most is the men's basketball program. Those those guys need some love. So. Um, uh, Quattro says, I remember the program made me learn that Carolina used to wear Russell Athletic back in the day. I'm still in disbelief that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Carolina wasn't the only one. It was Carolina. Georgia Tech was Russell Athletic. Mississippi State was Russell Athletic. Hmm. Yeah, they had to get out. Spurrier got here, and Spurrier wouldn't wear the, the cleats. He, uh, little people, people don't realize this either. The first two years Spurrier was at South Carolina, uh, part of the deal was with the cleats, you could go get cleats from someplace else. So Carolina actually wore Reebok cleats by the end of the NFL hmm. the first two years before they switched to everything under them. So they were a Reebok cleated team with Russell athletic uniforms. And Spurrier, he wouldn't wear the Russell stuff uh, after the first year. He ended up going and, and getting a deal with somebody for his own local merchandise with his name on the side of it. 
How, how arrogant do you have to be to wear a visor with your signature on it and a shirt with your yeah. signature on it? How she does head ball coach gear. <laughs> so anyway, we got to wrap up. Custom it's, design. <laughs> this one is painful as I thought it would be. Thanks to everybody in the Nana Sports chat box. Thanks to Chicken Cock Whiskey uh, and Dixie Vodka for serving us every day, although we don't really get served on here. We're built by the Barndo Company right here in the Sinorama Studios. Please patronize all of our wonderful sponsors. Uh, don't forget, check out JC and Morgan. We drop one on Monday. It's going to be every Monday morning from now on, and we bring the heat and the thunder and whatever else you want to say. Uh, thanks to uh, none of our guests that were here. We had no guests today, so can't say thanks to them. <laughs> thanks uh, to but nobody. Thanks, thanks to nobody. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget, uh, Bradford will return. So we'll be a power trio again for three hours right here. Download the Chief app. Tell your friends about it. We love you guys. As we slog through the open date for Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have a great afternoon, everyone. <laughs>